Thank you, everyone, for joining me here on the High Ground Podcast. I'm excited because um, I've been systematically making my way through all of the films with side topics and things like that on the way. And I finally hit the sequel trilogy. Um, And so I'm excited because this is like, I didn't even know if I would get this far in in making this podcast. So um, it's it's pretty cool for me. Um, But... Yeah, I want to start by having us kind of go around and because I, I love all you guys' content. You guys talk about this a lot. Um, Haley, specifically, you were started breaking down some like uh, TFA stuff and how, um, you, you know, you did a TikTok on Ray looking at the old woman while she was doing it. And I was like, you know, I, I got to have her. I need to have her on. And then, Alex, I've always loved your, your cosplay. And you've always been oh, thank like, you. really positive in the community. And then, uh, and, and Kev, like, you're TFA's number one fan. And there's no way I was doing this without you. So, awesome group. Um, but, yeah, let's kind of go around. And you can say, you know, who you are, how you got started with Star Wars. And, you know, what do you appreciate about... Um, Supposed to be what you'd preach about the sequel trilogy. My my notes were off, but you probably got that. I'll go. <laughs> um, I'll go to uh, to Haley first, or and also, what do you want me to call you on this? <laughs> it does not matter, Haley or Corelli Copper Works. Does not matter to me. Um, let's see. So I I have never really talked about this before because a lot of Star Wars fans are like very um, intense about their love, and so I've loved Star Wars like or. I've really enjoyed all of the movies since I was a little kid. Um, my brother was like a huge fan. So we grew up like spending weekends watching the entire saga and like playing uh, the Lego Star Wars video game. Um, but I never really called myself a fan because I never got like deep into it um, until my family went to Galaxy's Edge last year and we went back to the hotel. Like I, I loved Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. And then we went back to the hotel. Revenge of the Sith was on and I was just like, blown away watched like downloaded disney plus the next day watched the entire saga like it was so big for me and i just i'm late to the train but i am so glad to be here like i just love these movies that's interesting no i i like that i like that and uh, how about you alex uh so i got into star wars when i was two because my parents have a history of showing movies way too early uh <laughs> so I was two when they first showed me them and I'm lucky enough I don't know how old everyone else is I've seen all of them in the movie theater uh not the original run of the original trilogy but um like when they re-released them with the new CGI I saw all of that before I saw the prequels and then I saw the sequels and I just I have loved Star Wars since I was so little I have a daughter now and uh it's so much fun uh, showing her Ray and being like, this is the main character. She's a girl too. And she like, she just loves her to death. Her favorite character is Kylo Ren though, which is ridiculous. But <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, you know, sadly, I don't have any kids. Uh, I, I wish I did so I can go through this with them. You know what I mean? Like that would just be really cool. Um, but uh, how about you, Kev? Yeah, so I've been a Star Wars fan my entire life. One of my earliest memories like ever is me sitting on my living room floor watching A New Hope on VHS. I don't remember anything from the movie except the purple smoke coming out of the door of the Tantive Four, and then all the stormtroopers coming out and then Darth Vader coming out. It's the only thing I remember, but that I was like four years old. So 
Star Wars has been a huge part of my life. Growing up, I had a best friend that we kind of grew up on Star Wars together with. Uh, we would always talk about it in elementary school, and we would he would come over to my house every Friday night, and we'd watch the new episode of The Clone Wars when it came out, and we'd make frozen pizza, and it was kind of like a weekly tradition. Um, so I, I grew up on Star Wars, but I kind of, I, I think I have somewhat of an interesting story with, with my relationship with Star Wars, because this was all happening in elementary school. But... When I made the transition to middle school in my school district, um, there's a bunch of different elementary schools. So you kind of grow up with the same kids. But then once you hit sixth grade, you go to a new school with all the kids combined. And at the time, Disney hadn't bought Lucasfilm. And and liking Star Wars was seen as a nerdy thing. And if you you were a Star Wars fan, you were a nerd. People knew it. People were going to call you a nerd. (laughs) So because I was going to a new school and I wanted to make new friends, I disassociated myself with anything Star Wars. I gave up on all of it. I didn't want to be seen as a nerd. I wanted nothing to do with it. So I so I didn't didn't care about Star Wars, couldn't care less about anything in Star Wars related. Um, which is why I have such an appreciation for the sequels and because um, why the sequels are my favorite is because I didn't get back into Star Wars until The Force Awakens and kind of that that uh, build-up period before the movie with all well, the teaser trailers and then the trailers and then there was that Battlefront DLC on Jakku that kind of built the, the hype for me. And, and so I was like okay, I'm, it's starting to reel me back in. Like, I'm starting to get back into Star Wars. And then I saw an opening night in theaters with all my friends. Best night of my life. By far the most <laughs> incredible movie theater experience I've ever had. And, and I'm not even kidding when I say it, it was a life-changing experience for me because I would not be here right now if that night didn't happen. Uh, which is why, which is a big reason why The Force Awakens is my favorite and why the sequels are my favorite and why I just absolutely love these films and, and Star Wars in general. So yeah, I'm back in like fully fully back into star wars now we, so. we, we're glad to have you oh man like just the excitement and anticipation like building up to the force awakens i mean for me this movie holds a special place in my heart because um i even i went to star wars celebration when the first trailer came like when jj abrams was walking in line giving pizza before the first trailer ever dropped um so i i was there and it was it was awesome. Um, I'll I'll never forget it. I found I I lived in Huntington Beach for a long time, but at this point in time, I was living up in Sacramento, and it was in down in Anaheim. So I met some of my friends there, and through them, I kind of was introduced to a couple new people, and I have just made just some amazing friends at that Star Wars celebration, and then through those friends. I was able to move to San Diego and that's where I live now. And that's where I met my wife and all this stuff. And all of it is because of the force awakens, which is weird to say, but it like really is, I don't know. It really does hold like a a special place for me personally. Um, of course I've been a star Wars fan for a very long time, but, uh, Oh man, I just made another connection because when I moved here, that's where I had a job that was a lot of physical labor and I had headphones in like 12 hours a day. Um, and that's where I started listening to Star Wars audiobooks, And that's why I've been able to listen to hundreds of them, which is why I know so much about. It. So it's all it goes back to The Force Awakens. That's interesting. I never, never even thought about that. Anyways, before I <laughs> keep going off, um, 
that's kind of why it's it's so special to me. Although I will say to me, the movie itself ranks um, in the middle, uh, in the top half of the middle for um, for me. I, I don't have an exact number for it right now, and I'm refraining from doing a full ranking until after I get through all the films. That's another reason I'm excited for it. Um, but uh, how about you? And I'll, I'll go to Alex first this time. Um, like, what is there anything else that makes us special and, and where does it rank? Yeah, so I'm, I'll keep this slightly brief and try not to cry when I talk about this. Um, the Force Awakens came in a time in my life, like just at the right time. Uh, I have Crohn's disease and I was extremely ill when it came out. And following watching The Force Awakens, I had a surgery that went wrong. I almost died and I was in the ICU for over a week. And this movie was what I clung to. This was what gave me hope and got me through that experience. Like I went home unable to walk and a couple, oh God, it was like six months later, I was running the Star Wars 5K in Disney World. Like I like fought my way back, like because of this and like put triple buns in my hair. And I was like, let's do this. And like, it just, it gave me so much hope. And probably that of course is going to like, affect its ranking it is number one for me and i (laughs) (laughs) i rewatched it last night in anticipation for this podcast i was like oh i need to like give myself a little reminder and in doing so i was like yes this is still my number one star wars film it's probably my favorite movie of all time i just love this movie so much and it's just what it's jj abrams doing what jj abrams does best which is just really happy nostalgia bomb of like goodness and i i just really enjoy it yeah i like it and uh uh how about you kev i mean i know it ranks number one but oh obviously yeah and and it's also my favorite movie of all time with me being as big of a star wars fan i am of course my favorite star wars movie is going to be my favorite movie um but it's just it's just that my emotional attachment to the movie and why it's so special to me because just just the whole experience was was I couldn't ask for anything better. I remember I saw it opening night. I was a sophomore in high school, uh, but theaters were showing it the Thursday, like the midnight screening the mm-hmm. night before. I didn't see it then. Uh, and I remember being in school on that Friday where people have already seen it. I had I'm not even kidding when I say this. I had my earbuds in all day blasting Metallica as loud as I could to <laughs> not hear. It. I was letting nothing I was not going to let it get spoiled for me. Not at all. So I was taking no chances. My ears were ringing by the end of the school day, but I, I was fine. It, everything was okay. <laughs> um, but just, just the whole experience was, was so special for me. And, and seeing it in theaters is what re-sparked and reignited my, my love and passion for Star Wars. And I got attached to these characters and to the story. And that's why the sequels are my favorite. And, and just they're, they're, I don't feel this way with any other movie that I do with The Force Awakens. Um, so So it is by far my favorite Star Wars movie. I don't think it's the best Star Wars movie. And I, there, I, there's definitely a difference between best and favorite, which I've gotten in many yeah. TikTok yeah. common arguments about. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely my favorite. So, Although I'd argue that in terms of just quality, it, this is pretty close to the top. <laughs> you know what I mean? So good. Um, but yeah, how about you, uh, Corellia Coffee? Yeah, so I, I cannot order my favorite Star Wars movies because like each time I watch any of them I'm like oh it's the top of the list like it's just all the movies are so good or like even if quality wise they're not like 
the best. Like they're just so fun. Um, so I I can like tell which ones I like more than others kind of, but like there's, there's no ranking. I really, really like the force awakens. Like I just, every time I finish it, I just want to watch it again. Um, and yeah, I, I just love the sequels and this was such a great, like great way to start that journey and just amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, um, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's all I was like, wait, I hit everyone. Right. All right. So let's actually jump into the movie itself. And so I kind of like to, to break it down by act and hopefully the way I broke it down makes sense for you guys. Um, <laughs> because like in rewatching it, there's like, there's certain things I just, I thought happened sooner or later, you know, just from, from memory. But yeah, let's jump into the first act, which is, you know, the opening crawl until, um, until, you know, basically Han gets reunited with the, with the Falcon. Um, any, you know, one or two moments that really jump out to you. We'll just go to Kev first. Yeah, so so a couple moments that that stick out to me in the first act. I think I think the number one is meeting Ray for the first time because when you see her for the first time, she gets I'd say probably about a solid five minutes of screen time without saying a single word. Mm -hmm. But in those five minutes, you learn so much about her character. She's this young woman who's who seems stranded on this planet fighting day to day just to survive. She's got it rough. She's not she doesn't have an easy life, but but at the same time, you can tell that she's almost content with it. And she she has her peace when when she puts on that X-Wing helmet and just just looks away that like that makes me I don't know how to describe what that makes me feel, but it, it, it makes me feel something. But and then you just you learn so much about her within those five minutes. And, and like um, Haley, I think we talked about earlier, the scene where she's scrubbing the thing and then she looks up at the woman and, and she sees what she's going to become if, if something doesn't change and if her, her life doesn't take a different direction. And I just, I just love the uh, meeting Ray sequence. And Ray's theme, by far top three favorite so Star Wars song for me. It is absolutely beautiful. I cannot get enough of it. Um, and also, I am, correct me if I'm wrong, that Star Destroyer we see, that's uh, Sienna Rees Inflictor, is it not? Yes, that, the uh, one that's crashed is is Sienna yes. Rees. Uh, spoilers. Love that. Absolutely <laughs> love that. Um, yeah, sorry. Spoiler warning. I guess. Um, yeah, absolutely love that. Um, and then another another thing from the first act I'll talk about is Kylo Ren. Oh my gosh, gosh, by far my favorite character in Star Wars. So the first time you meet him, you know he he seems pretty normal for for a villain. I guess he's he's very you know, all black, very, very menacing. And, and when he kills Laura Santaka, you're like, okay, he's pretty ruthless, you know, don't mess with this guy. But then uh, also, I'm pretty sure it happens in the first act when he, uh, yeah, when he uh, learns that um, BB-8 got away and, and you know, um, he has his first temper tantrum. Yeah. But that's kind of when you see that, oh, he's not your stereotypical big bad villain like like you kind of thought he was. He's got these these layers to him and he's got these emotions that he has uh trouble controlling and and there's just so much more to his character than than initially you think there is and i could just, i could talk about kylo ren for hours so i'll just i'll leave it at that <laughs> his introduction and then the music the dun, 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 like i don't know it just it, it does it, it do be hitting different uh, i got you <laughs> and how about you Haley? 
Um, this is less a moment and just like something that stands out to me, especially in the first um, couple of minutes. Um, it's so funny, like the dialogue itself, like it Star Wars has always been funny, but like the who talks first, you talk first, I talk first, <laughs> like that just every single time just gets like it's so good. Um, yeah, so I mean, this movie is just has line after line that are so clever and so good. Um, but I guess like a moment. Um, oh my God. There are so many. So I'm trying to like sort through, um, love, love Ray's introduction, obviously. Um, her little, like the bread. Awesome. I want to see more food in star <laughs> Wars. Um, yeah. Um, the, Oh my God. When, um, Finn says, oh, like this droid has a map to Luke Skywalker. She says, Luke Skywalker, I thought she was, I thought he was a myth. Like, I think that's a really good telltale sign of like where the galaxy's at. Cause like backwater planets, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't have the same knowledge that as the audience we have. Um, so I think it's a good reminder that like, not everyone knows that that actually happened. And like, he was a real person and like, is that important? Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, the whole galaxy, before, at least when Luke was young, they actively suppressed any information about the Jedi. This one, they don't suppress it, but you still don't hear everything about it, you know what I mean? Like, um, But yeah, uh, your thoughts, uh, Alex? Uh, so I want to build off uh, some of what Kevin was saying with Kylo Ren's uh, opening. The moment in that opening for me that is so powerful is when he stops the blaster bolt. It, it just, it blew my mind the first time I saw it, that he not only just stops the bolt, he continues to have a conversation and then walk away, have another conversation. And the bolt's just hanging there the whole time. <laughs> it's just like, and it was that moment that made me realize, oh my gosh, this guy has more power than maybe like anyone we've seen on screen. Like what is happening? He doesn't even have to pay attention to it. And it's, it's just there. And then when he finally walks away, it, leaves it like it goes he's no longer controlling it and i was like oh my goodness like how much power does this guy have that we're about to deal with here like that is it was just such a moment for me and then um in the first act like the happiest moment for me was seeing the falcon fly again i remember yeah. like being in the theater like oh my gosh it's happening like there it goes like they're like the trash will do and i was just like it's the falcon that <laughs> <laughs> was just such a happy moment in the movie theater and and like i i know there's there's always some controversy about her being able to fly it but like she's not even good at it which i think is like hilarious and, and like beautiful <laughs> in like the beginning she's just like constantly hitting the ground until she figures out what she's doing with it and it's just such a good sequence i i just always brings a big smile to my face <laughs> yeah and, and it's funny because it's like, why wouldn't she be able to fly it? She's obviously familiar with it. She knows what's under the sheet there. Like, she's fixed ships. She's flown ships. She told us she was a pilot. Like, why wouldn't... And it, it's 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 funny, but it's an, an ongoing yeah. struggle. Of like, yeah. But she flew without a co-pilot. You don't need two pilots. Two people aren't flying it at the same... They're doing other stuff. Uh, and she she even has dialogue in that moment too, where she's like, "This is really hard to do without a co-pilot," and she's and like, she's trying to reach her stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's not doing the best, but yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> but but <laughs> uh, for me, like uh, you guys hit the nail on the head. I actually, I think this is the strongest introduction to the main protagonists of any film uh, of any film in Star Wars. Right? I mean, we get a perfect characterization of Finn, a conflicted stormtrooper who is not on board with the loss of life. Um, and then right at the very beginning, first thing we get is the first hint that he's force sensitive because Kylo Ren senses something about him. You don't know what, what it is. Um, it's just, it's, it's so cool. And then, uh, and then you get pose of he's off on this, you know, gallivanting around the galaxy on this mission. And he's a total flyboy. You know, his introduction is, is funny and he's smug. And even when, you know, Finn is trying to explain, like, I want to do what's right. He's like, no, nah, you, you just need a pilot. He's like, yeah, I need a pilot. <laughs> like, um, Ray's introduction showing how hard of a life that she has, yet she appreciates, like, all these small moments. And, you know, she's has fun sliding down the hill because, of course, you're going to have fun doing that. And, um, and it's, it's still you know, has this kind of hope about her, but a biggest impression of, of all was Kylo's impression. And, at, and when this started for me, because everyone's saying like, this is going to be the next Vader. He's, he's going to be the next Vader. And you see how powerful he is on this stuff. And I love how this movie presents that strong front. And then you slowly get to see the cracks and you're like, Oh no, this, this ain't Vader. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh man, like I don't know, it just it just makes me happy, and I think the way these four were introduced is just perfect, better than any of um, any of the other ones. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, a- any other thoughts? Sorry, we we went through that part faster than I had intended. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say. Um... I saw the movie three different times in theaters when it when it came out. And one of the times I saw it in IMAX 3D. And I will never forget that when he froze that blaster bolt, that was in 3D right in front of your face. And that was just, that was super cool. That was really cool. Me and my buddy Travis, uh, again, I, I lived up in Sacramento. But um, there's the, the two best IMAXs in the country. One of them is in D.C., I want to say. And the other one's in San Francisco. So we drove out to San Francisco um, just to watch Force Awakens for like the fifth time in theater and 3D. And we snuck in craft beer because uh, that's just our, our thing. It's just just the best time, just the best. Um, I do want to say like I'm so impressed with um, the facial expressions of all the characters. Like so much storytelling is shown through, through their faces um, in like seemingly small moments. But like it's so powerful. Um, and it's shown like from the very start through the entire trilogy. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, the, 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 the TikTok that made me like want to get you on where we, you know, we see the, the old lady who's content with her lot in life. And that is going to become Ray if she doesn't do something about it. And Ray is offered that she can turn in BB-8 and she gets a ton of food, which is everything that she needs to stay here and not do anything. Like they build out her character so much, and it's it's uh, it's really quite beautiful. Where she is like she is caring, 
Um, but she's she wants to stay, and she just keeps getting pulled along. I often quote it as the, the Shakespeare quote of some people are born great, which is Anakin, the chosen one. Some people um, do great things, and that's Luke, who rose to the occasion, and someone have greatness thrust upon them, and that's Ray, who doesn't want any of this crap. <laughs> uh, and she just keeps getting swept along of like, you have to run or you'll die. <laughs> I also love like with that, that um, like when you see that first running sequence with her and Finn, like she doesn't know how to accept help from anyone else. She spent her entire life alone. So that's why we keep getting that repeated line of like, stop taking my hand. Like she doesn't understand what's going on in that interaction. Like I don't need somebody to protect me. I've never had somebody to protect me. And they like, finally, when she like, she sees him get hurt, she's the one who offers her hand to him. And that's sort of when, like, their relationship sort of changes because he asks her, are you okay? Like, it's that moment of somebody finally is asking me, am I okay? Does somebody actually cares about me? And there's, like, a total change in their relationship at that point from, like, I'm pushing you away to, okay, let's go. Let's go do this together. And I I love their friendship so much. Like, they're they're adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, especially because it sounds like you read that the novelization um, I did, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that moment in the novelization, I mean, Finn is knocked out cold. And then he wakes up and is like, are you okay? And yeah. she's like, first of all, who's saving who here? Second of all, no one's ever asked me that as far as I can ever remember. Uh, which is just, I don't know, it's, it's touching. Um, but then, all right, oh, sorry, go ahead, Kev. Yeah, I just want to say one more thing I really like about that, too, is when they revealed the Falcon... I absolutely love the way they went about that because they didn't hype it up at all. They didn't like present it on this, on this grand pedestal. They literally just, they call, she called it garbage and then (laughs) the garbage will do. And the camera pans and then you just see the Falcon. And I will not forget being in the theater opening night. Everybody just went crazy. Mm -hmm. And that was another thing too, is every time an old character or something would pop up on the screen, everybody in the theater would just go insane. And that was such an incredible experience. But, but that Falcon reveal I thought was done so well. And I just, I love it. That was actually almost the name of this podcast, Garbage You'll Do. (laughs) (laughs) That was like really, yeah, I I loved it. Um, But yeah, all right. So jumping forward, we go into the second act of the film. Um, I'm calling this one, uh, you know, Chewie, We're we're Home. Um, From that scene until... All the way through when Ray gets gets taken, you know, we actually spend a good amount of time in between these two points, learning more about this universe and these characters. Um, and I will go to uh, Haley first on this one. What jumps out at you on this uh, opening part? Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about Maz um, because I think Maz Kanata is like such a big turning point in this whole movie. Um, just because it's, it's when Ray finally starts to like make the connections within herself, like realizes that her parents are probably not going to come back, like realizes that she might have a bigger story than what she like was totally content with, um, back on Jakku. Um, and she like learns about the force. Um, so that whole, whole scene at Maz's palace was like, so great so great um and after after everyone 
else answers. Um, I would love to talk about the lightsaber scene because like, that's the one thing I never really got. Like I get the force power, but like what she's seeing, like that's not just like Luke and Anakin's memories with the lightsaber. It's something more. Um, so I just love her relationship with Maz and like how it changes for her. What you seek is in front of you, not behind. And you, and like when you find out what that means throughout the rest of it. Um, but you're absolutely right about that lightsaber scene. I, I too have questions. I mean, I it was somewhat confirmed in the Star Wars book that she has some, at least some form of psychometry, which is um, seeing the history surrounding in an, an object. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions I get asked often is how come she didn't see it murdering younglings? You don't see everything about the object. You don't see all of it. You just see a random clip. You don't see, when you play Fallen Order, if every single time you touched an object, you had to watch like 150 years of history, the game would be really long. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, uh, as far as we understand it, it started as psychometry, but um, she also had a force vision that butted up immediately after that. And you get to see a bunch of visions of like side visions and then future yeah. visions, which is yeah, really so interesting. Cool. Yeah. And I, I love that. Um, like she literally says like, I want no part in this. Like it just, the character development is there and I can't stand when people say <laughs> she has no character development because it's so obvious. Yeah. Or, so. or, or, or with people like, no, it's Anakin saber. And you're like, she didn't want it ever. <laughs> She literally refused it. She's like, no. And then, like, even in Rise of Skywalker, she's like, I will earn your brother's saber. Like, it's still not even hers. And then at the end, she buries it where Shmi is buried. So she didn't keep it. Like, she never thought it was hers. Um, but don't get me started. Okay. I get that. That's a, that's a whole different, different. That's a whole different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, how about you, Alex? Uh, here in the second, um, what do you think? So there's one scene, uh, like one moment I have to point out or my husband will be so angry with me. This is like his favorite thing to point out to anybody. And I know he's watching, so I have to do it. Uh, but <laughs> uh, There's the biggest hint that for, uh, Finn is force sensitive in this act. And that's when the Hosnian system uh, is destroyed. No one around him turns to look. No one is actually screaming around him, but he hears screams and he looks. And for we always sort of thought oh oh hey he's force sensitive and then they never did anything within the last jedi and then it was like oh no they did <laughs> so that was always something for us that was the biggest hint for us that he was actually force sensitive because we see non-force sensitive people use lightsabers all the time but yeah. like that was something that like he sensed it before anyone else was looking that this happened that yeah, no, I and honestly, I can't even take credit. That was my husband. That's his like favorite thing. <laughs> All right, so A, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. B, I, I will also be making a TikTok about that specifically. Um, but but <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd also like to talk about the vision uh, because. Uh, we had brought it up and I have spent a lot of time going into that vision and especially the costumes in the vision because I'm a cosplayer and like figuring all of that out. 
Um, one of the things she sees is uh, Kylo uh, killing the clan leader on Mustafar, which is in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So the person that she sees run through happens in The Rise of Skywalker. So she, but it's not raining and he's in the wrong costume. So that certainly rises questions. But I mean, that's continuity going through a trilogy that you didn't know what his costume was going to be. So, and he does have the knights with him in that scene. Um, And we obviously see stuff in the past. And then we also see him come forward what looks like circular base forest area so i'm assuming that she's seeing her future fight with kylo and those are the mm-hmm. two sort of future visions that she sees and now that we know that they're a dyad in the force it kind of makes sense that she sees multiple visions of kylo in that moment um one thing that's in the novelization that's not in the movie that i like is that there's dialogue from her father yeah. when he's leaving her uh he says don't worry sweetheart i'll come back for you and I remember, like, when the when the last Jedi came out, and then they said, like, "Oh no, your parents sold you." We there were so many theories of like who was talking to her. She remembers a man talking to her. Who was it? It was her father, because now we we have this completed arc. But yeah, that was one of the most interesting things. I kind of wish they had kept that in from the original script, or if they had recorded it, because I thought that that scene was really good and led like credence to like your parents actually cared about you and they were trying to keep you here to protect you not to just like push you off sort of thing yeah because i it, it always did make me chuckle a little bit of yeah they did sell you but they did it because they loved you and you're like <laughs> wait d- did <laughs> did money change hands I need to know this. So, like, <laughs> I can actually like kind of like rectify that in my mind as in like someone like Ankar Plot wouldn't just take a girl to protect her. So they needed to like come up with some sort of reasoning of like, this is why we're giving you this girl sort of thing to keep her safe. And all Kylo is seeing is her memories, not the actual truth. And that's what she's sort of like psychologically buried away from being five years old. And so he's not actually lying to her. That's just what he thinks is the truth. So I can like kind of make that make sense. But at the same time, I'm also like, God, that line was not good. And you made him deliver it with a mask on. So it it was not helpful. (laughs) If we had seen his eyes, I feel like it would have gone better. Oh, oh man. That also means I'm going to have a a question for you specifically when we get to the third act. Um, Okay. But also another quick question What's your husband's name? I want to credit him when I when I make my oh, uh, Mark. He doesn't have a TikTok. He just comes on to mine occasionally. He hates social media. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna call him Mark the Wolf. Um. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, how how about you, Kev? Yeah. So, kind of rewinding a little bit before we even get to Takadana, I think one of the best parts of this movie is Han Solo. I think Han Solo absolutely shines in this film. Everything he says, everything he does is just so on the mark. And and one of my favorite scenes is is the conversation on the freighter when he's trapped between a kanji club and the Guavian death gang and trying to get out of it. And just, just all those little clips. And it's like kanji club wants their investment back too. He's like, I never made a deal with kanji club. Tell that the kanji club. And then, and then, Oh, uh, then, then kanji club says that like it happened twice and he goes, when was the second time? Just Han Solo is, <laughs> I absolutely loved him in, in this film. If there's one thing I'll I talk don't. talk us out of it. I do it every yeah. time. Yeah, I, I do it every time. 
Um, if there's one one part of the film I'm not super in love with, it's the Rathtar sequence. I don't I don't know why. To me, it just the pacing. It, it, but that's not important. I absolutely love everything about this film. Uh, forget I said that. But um, just that that conversation on on the freighter and just just another thing too is when um, BB-8 pulls up the map and and Han Solo has that little little spiel about the Force and Luke Skywalker. Man, that that hit me. That was such a, a well done and well executed mm-hmm. scene. And you get to see this like guilt he's feeling almost of of remembering his past and kind of just looking back on all of that and seeing where his life is now and his relationship with Leia and Luke and obviously his son and and it's just it's so good. So good. I think you're muted. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was. There you are. Okay, good. I thought I was on my end for a second. I know. Cute. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're reacting weird. Maybe I'm saying something <laughs> profoundish. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> no, no. But I was like, first of all, BB-8 is amazing. Watching him roll around the Falcon and like try to be still. It was just hilarious. When he has like um, shoots yeah. the strings out until they're like, oh. And, and we also get uh, the, the famous thumbs up scene and like and and we get to see ray just just being done with finn of like it's that one that one no 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 like i don't know that just makes me smile um but you know when when han comes aboard uh what we also get the the first bonding moment right with with him and ray where he walks up and he's like oh some move milker put a put a compressor on the ignition line, and then at the same time, oh, and she's like, "Yeah, that was Uncar Plutt did it, but it's a bad idea because it'll put too much pressure on the hyperdrive." And they finish each other's sentences, and it's just just kind of a, a cute moment, you know what I mean? Um, showing that they they actually they have uh, this 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 connection, and they kind of establish that there, um, and then obviously that's is a prelude to what happens later when they're in hyperspace and there is too much pressure on it. And so she bypasses the compressor, but, um, no Han saying it's true. All of it in the same place where he was like, Oh, hokey religions and ancient weapons. Like it's nothing like a good blaster by your side. It's just, just like a a beautiful moment. I, I don't know. Just that one just, just makes me happy in general. Um, and, uh, as well as the, uh, Maz Kanata, where's my boyfriend? Um, I don't know. She just, I love that too. She's so great. Uh, what do you think of the scene? Is it a deleted scene or was it only in the novelization where Ankar Plutt, uh, follows them to yes. Takodana? <laughs> Yes. You guys have any thoughts it's on that, It's a deleted scene and also in the novel. Yeah, like, and uh, Chewie rips his arm off. <laughs> and tosses it on a table. Yeah. And they just kind of brush it off the table and keep playing cards. <laughs> I know, I just, like, there's some of those scenes I, I really did uh, wish, wish made it, but um, overall, it was, it was great. Um, also, one of the most beautiful things I think is when the first order does make it because, um, 
stupid Bazine Natal uh, <laughs> had, had to call. Uh, although her book is actually kind of decent. Perfect weapon. You should check it out. But um, the scene where the X-Wing is like skimming across the water and stuff coming towards it, it's just just beautiful. Uh, any thoughts on that, uh, that, that fight? Yeah, March of the Resistance. I think it's such an underrated song that 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 track is hype and it just it never fails to excite me and and seeing the resistance come and just just absolutely mess everybody up and I love that one shot of Poe and he just he just absolutely goes off he gets 13 kills in that one one shot and that's just that's just cool and then Finn's on the ground that season he goes yeah that's one hell of a pilot and then it cuts the Poe going woohoo you know it's just such a good, such a good moment. And that's your song. friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you guys? Any thoughts on the, so, the battle scene? Yeah. So um, battle scenes are honestly not my favorite in all of Star Wars. Um, so like they're not what I'm drawn to from all the movies, which is kind of funny because it's like Star Wars. Um, so I thought the battle was... Um, was really cool, like as the first uh, or second after the opening scene. But um, yeah, when the resistance comes in, it is so great. Like the music just, John Williams like worked his magic, like he always does, but like, that was <laughs> serious. That was awesome. Been with the lightsaber, like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And uh also in the second act we got to see how powerful the Wookiee bowcaster was and yeah. absolutely obliterate people. Um so yeah, that part just it, it does just make me happy. Um and that comes into play later too. That, oh, that's yeah, I was gonna say that's important so to show important how much understanding damage the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I just have to make sure I touch on these before we get there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, all right. So so jumping forward into the, the third act of the film. Um, and this is, you know, I mean, real briefly touching on exactly when Ray does get kidnapped, where she feels like she's confident with a blaster. We've seen her fight uh, with melee combat, right? And that's that's one thing. Uh yeah, she thought she was she was gonna do something there, and she fires a bunch, and it does less than nothing, and she gets frozen instantly, knocked unconscious, and she, she failed pretty hard uh, at that moment. Um, but yeah, moving into the third act, that's when we get their interrogation. That's when we get you know Han and Leia reuniting. Um, and let's run from this third act to. Uh, to the end of the movie and we'll start with alex on this one uh so probably the scene i've watched the most in the force awakens because i am an unashamed 2015 raylo is the interrogation <laughs> scene <laughs> and like i'm gonna pre preface this with saying there is nothing romantic about the interrogation scene and i'm not trying to suggest that at all it's <laughs> but that was the you scene. do you <laughs> no 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 but like I, I don't think it is but that was the scene that i went and realized oh they're setting this up to be something else because there's such a juxtaposition between the interrogation with poe and the interrogation with ray i mean obviously i'm saying this in relative terms but he treats her gently to the way that he treats poe 
and I it's like I and obviously he's still torturing her but <laughs> it is uh, it was fascinating to me like why did he take off his helmet why did he even like grant her that at all why did he actually want to learn about her versus going for the map he could have gone straight for the map but instead he was finding out about her past and it was so intriguing of like why are you interested in her and the novelization even has a moment with snoke where he accuses her of ha- or him of having compassion for her and that's why he couldn't do it and i was like oh okay i see where you're like gonna set this up and like i had no idea at this point that it was ever going to be reciprocated by ray i kind of figured she would think that he was a monster through the entire like trilogy um and then the last jedi happened and i was like okay yes that's exactly where we're going uh, but I was like, okay, they're setting up some sort of different relationship here where it's not just going to be adversary. They're, like, he's fascinated by her for some reason. Um, yeah, I mean, so I we have uh, Marrelius Wolf in, in the chat saying that it, he bridal carried her off of. Uh, That's off of my husband. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I thought it might have been. I thought it might have been. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he did. He bridal carries her. He doesn't just let her hit the ground. He's like, whoop. And then he just bridal carries her up onto the ship. And they've like literally released LFL official art that's like a romance cover of that scene, which is the most ridiculous thing. (laughs) All right. I need to find that. Yeah. No, it was from celebration 2009. No, the last celebration, whatever that was. Uh, But I left the movie the first time and I was like, this movie was great. And I really shipped Finn and Ray. And my husband was like, I shipped Kylo and Ray. I'm like, what are you talking about? What? No. And then I went and watched the movie again. I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. I see where you're going with this. And I still didn't know it was going to like happen, but I was like, okay, I kind of get it. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Knights of the Old Republic. And yes, um, yeah. you know, as you're playing the game, like Revan and Bastila have this weird connection. They don't know what it is. And you're like, I need to find it. Like you keep playing. You're like, I got to find out what this And that's what I felt like. Like, okay, yeah. there is, there's something, there's something here. Like, <laughs> My original theory following The Force Awakens was that they accidentally created a force bond in the interrogation scene. And that's why she was able to do all that she was able to do and why she was able to get into his head. I thought it was an accident. And then obviously it turned out to be something different. But I remember my husband and I literally, like, when they released the visual novel before The Last Jedi came out and they said that the Force Bond was a thing, we were screaming in the car together. We were like, like, it was just so exciting. But the moment in the third act that for me is the greatest moment in the entirety of the Star Wars saga is when the saber comes to Rey in that fight. I sat in the movie theater and sobbed when that happened. Like just so many happy tears of like, I grew up with Luke Skywalker as my favorite character, but did not understand at age like three why like he was my favorite. But I would always like when I was pretending to be character say I was Leia but with a lightsaber because I just didn't understand like, Oh, I just don't relate that much to a male character because I'm a very feminine person. And then that happened. And I finally got like the Jedi hero that like I had been waiting for since I was a child and that representation and that moment. And it was so powerful for me. And I just, I, I still cry. I cried last night, but I watched it again. <laughs> like it is, it is so good. And like, even like, 
I, I do love too that like when she catches it and they pan back to Kylo, he just looks like in shock. He's not even angry. He's just like, oh, what just happened? And it's just, it's such a great moment. And that whole fight scene is so good. <laughs> and, and that's exactly like my thought of watching Endgame when Cap gets the hammer. I, I feel like they just watched The Fork Awakens and ripped off that moment not that it's bad or anything it's an excellent no. moment but it's but it's the same moment you know uh all right how about you kev what jumps out of you this, this yeah one night? of the moments from act three i really like is when kylo is in his chambers talking to, to vader's helmet that he's got there because that's that's a, a moment where you really see the conflict within him he's literally just like i feel the pull to the light again like show me grandfather uh the power of the dark side and i will finish what you started um and you see he, he, he's vulnerable to this this pull to the light side and he's got this conflict within him um and then once we get to the the, the han solo part i, I want to get more into that but um, you see that he's 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 struggling and and throughout the rest of the trilogy too i i think because of the scene you always knew that there was a very good chance that he could go back to the light um but also again seeing darth vader's helmet all crushed up like that that was sweet um and, and that then, was that so, was and sorry to interrupt but i just like my brain is weird but like you saying that also uh it jumps out on me because unlike the original trilogy we got introduced to the big bad in this one, right? Uh, it was Empire where we found out Vader's not the big bad. He answers to someone, you know. But that, I was, you know, I'm, he was struggling with the light, comes right after, like, getting a dressing down from Snoke. And you're like, this is the big bad. And it's just, it it really recontextualizes the character all within the first movie, which is just unique. But, sorry, continue. Yeah. And then and plus with Snoke, too, I remember all the theories when The Force Awakens first came out. Oh, who was Snoke? Everybody was trying to figure out who Snoke was. Just what a what a time to be a Star Wars fan. Um, and then I also love just just when I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was when Hux and Kylo were, were in Snoke's um, chambers. You get to see the tension between Kylo and Hux like they are not friends they are they have this tension within them but they both answer to snoke snoke is by far the most important person there but but the tension between hux and kylo was super interesting and i also really like i loved hux in this movie i thought hux was such an interesting character um you see he, he kind of reminded me of 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 grand moff tarkin at first because he's just kind of like that officer position but but you see him when he gives that speech on Starkiller base that you see how ruthlessness and how intense he can be uh and i just thought that was such an interesting part about his character and obviously they kind of took him uh in a different direction afterwards but hawks in this movie i enjoyed very much um and then another moment um oh going back to the uh interrogation scene in uh, your episode about Kylo Ren with, I think it was Miss Eggie who was talking about when, when he's talking in that moment, he said, when he says like, you, you know, you're so lonely, so afraid to leave. He's not really just speaking about Ray. He's kind of talking about himself in a way because you know his background and, and his past, if you've um, not in the movie, but like with all the extra material. And he's, he's really lonely and isolated. And he's, he's not necessarily where he he needs to be, but he's just he's just kind of going with everything, I guess. And that that you're so lonely, so afraid to leave is is really interesting to think about, and just thinking about the depths of his character and and how 
like where he is like mentally and just just everything about him it's it's super interesting um and i think i'll leave it at that for now okay okay um yeah, I mean, just just great stuff all around, and it makes me mad because like, I forgot to mention Hux and how we established Hux as the anti Kylo, where where one is is powerful, like menacing and dark. This one is uh, almost scarier in in a sense, but like put together and just like yeah. Uh, and we get to also introduce, you know, Captain Phasma, who we didn't talk about as well. Now, she didn't end up having a, a huge part, but she was the antagonist specifically to Finn, which we got to see early on in the movie. Uh, but, yeah, Haley, your thoughts on this uh, third act? Yeah, um, I have to talk about Kylo and Han um, and the big scene um, because, wow, like I was watching it last night and just like crying because, I mean, I cry at everything, but like this was, I mean, it's like amazing. Um, I think the least of the intense um, feelings, um, Harrison Ford wanted to die since since like the original trilogy so I'm so glad his death was like so meaningful um, because I mean, clearly George Lucas could have been like, okay, fine, you're gone. But um, they, they saved it for the best moment. Um, and yeah, this, um, sorry, I'm, I'm reading my notes because there's just so much. Um, yeah, Ben, Ben kind of thought that killing his dad would, um, cut off cut off his feelings towards his family or like distance himself in some way but just because he did that act and the um the guy is gone does not mean he's any less attached to that um and I just I loved being able to see Ben from the very beginning um I can't really decide on my favorite character but it's it's between Ren um Kylo Ren and Ray because like they're just so good, so good. Um, yeah, and Kylo obviously, or Ben has a difficult relationship with his parents. Like we don't know all what's going down. Um, I haven't read the Kylo Ren comics, but really hoping they get like adapted to a TV show or something. Cause like, <laughs> I would love to hear about it. Um, and both of them just have so many emotions in that scene and like, Going back to what I said earlier, the facial expressions are just so real. And like the lighting on, on Kylo's face, like when it's red and blue and then eventually the sun gets sucked out. So it's all red like that was so great. I made an entire TikTok on that one time because the symbolism of, of the red and the blue light, because in that moment, you know, he's still full of that conflict and he doesn't know what he's going to do. But then the sun gets drained and all the blue goes away from his face and it fills with red. And he, oh, he's made up his mind. He's committed to the dark side. He's going to kill his father. So good. I could I could talk about that scene for forever. It seems like it, I, just, I love it so much. One of the like interesting things too about the lighting in that is that the sun is coming from the opening where Ray is watching, and so it's like coming from her back down onto them. And it's it, I there's a concept art of that that is just like Chef's kiss, beautiful. Like oh my gosh, like I the light. Yeah, I agree. The lighting of that scene is so good. <laughs> God, and the the thank you he says. 
right before Hunt falls, like everything about that scene just like, just so gets me because yeah, the thank you and the hand touch and um, especially after seeing The Rise of Skywalker, like that is just beautiful storytelling of this in the beginning and then this at the end, like incredible. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny because I... I hear complaints about how um, people feel like, oh, the sequels, they weren't that connected or, or whatnot. But I'm not going to lie, this more than any other of the other trilogies that I've done podcasts on, it's hard to talk about one moment in this movie without talking about how it's reflected in these other ones. I am, uh, it's, and I'm just making this connection now, but it may be the most connected. <laughs> Like it's a sorry. Go ahead, Haley. No, oh, I was just gonna say, like in the beginning with Ray on the Star Destroyer, and then on the Death Star in the last one, like mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, I, cool. I think it's a problem in general that Star Wars has that they don't start with an outline. Like, and it's not just this trilogy; it's it's all of them. I I, I say this uh, a lot to people that like I think with this new trilogy they should have done what the MCU did, which was like we know we want to get from this point to this point. You directors can do what you want in between, but this is the point we want to get to. And they didn't do that, but they didn't do that for the original trilogy, and they kind of did it for the prequels because we knew where we were going from the beginning. But, I mean, they originally were definitely setting up Luke and Leia to be a romantic relationship. Like, you cannot tell me that that's not what they were doing. So, uh, it's, Literally, George Lucas <laughs> yeah. was like, all right, we got to resolve this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this romantic there, triangle. I love Star Wars so much. Obviously, it's, like, it's my top fandom. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. But, like, there are continuity issues throughout the entirety of Star Wars. And sometimes you just have to take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> And well, but an, another thing, and it's it's already been been confirmed because um, you know even it was Pablo Hidalgo who's you know mm-hmm. was in the news recently, <laughs> but he's he's been he is the keeper of the lore. Like beneath George Lucas, Pablo Hidalgo knows the most about Star Wars, and in 2014, he made it clear that this was about. The, you know the scavenger girl and she's going to end up being our skywalker so they they did absolutely start with uh an, an outline but still gave yeah everyone like a a framework and you had whatever room to play around um they did do a lot of radical changes before nine uh, that we know about but making Changing from the plan does not mean you didn't have a plan. Changing from your plan means that you had a plan. But that's a whole another topic. It's as true, well. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, did, I started with Alex on this one. So, uh, Haley, did you give us your thoughts on? Yeah, I was talking about the, the Han and Kylo. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. And uh, so we didn't talk about the about their fight. Um that that pops up the fight between Ray and Kylo Ren that that happens. Um, now, obviously, Kylo is nowhere near full strength because he just got shot in the stomach by a Wookiee bowcaster that we've seen one shot. Everyone, we, they they fly across the room. He was able to absorb it as much as he can. But um, I gotta ask your guys' thoughts on the fight because. 
first thing that happens is she tries to stand up and she gets yeeted into a tree. <laughs> and then and then Finn steps up to the plate. But uh yeah, uh you guys have any thoughts on this on this portion? Yeah. Um I just wanna say first it's I think it's visually stunning. The uh dark forest in contrast with the the red and the blue lightsabers is and absolutely beautiful. Um there are there are two very nitpicky things I, I want to get into before we talk about the fight. One how did Kylo beat them out to the forest? Like I've tried to think of this so much. The the, lo- the logically, like it doesn't make sense because Ray and Finn are up on this platform and Kylo's on the bridge. But by the time Ray and Ray and Finn get out to the forest, Kylo seems like he's been there a while already. Uh, it's so, like so- that scene from Emperor's New New Groove. It's like it doesn't make any sense by any account. <laughs> right. And then, although uh, I do wonder exactly where that took place, because we already know that there is a whole deleted scene of them on speeders and stuff. Like mm-hmm. Starkiller Base is not. It's it's not one thing. It's a whole bunch of structures on a planet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it is entirely possible. We just didn't get that that yeah. bit. I remember yeah. there was one night I was on a TikTok live and I, I pulled out a whiteboard and I was drawing a map and I was trying to figure out, okay, how <laughs> exactly did Kylo get out there first? And then another thing too, and this is much more obscure. So we see Kylo drop his helmet on the bridge and then obviously he gets shot and, and he marches off. And then that's where that's like where the oscillator is that Poe goes and blows up. Did did and we see Kylo have his helmet in the Last Jedi? Did he like? And I I haven't read the the Force Awakens novelization because I just got into Star Wars books this past year and I haven't made it that far yet. So not I don't know if it's on. not touched on. How? Yeah. So did he like force pull his helmet to make sure he got it back? But then if he did do that, where did he put it? Because it's nowhere to be seen in the forest. So like, how? What did he do with his helmet? I don't know. That's just that's. My- just- my assumption was that he had more than one, but then in the Rise of Skywalker, they're like, "We're going to rebuild it." I'm like, "So you don't have more than one?" Well, like, it's so got the same. Or, or Hux ran through there looking for him as a way oh, to he, to um, Hux had a jetpack to go get him. It's like in one of his action figures, he has like a jetpack, <laughs> and it's like I have this like vision of him just like coming down from the sky. <laughs> I have said with my friends, like every single episode of The Mandalorian, why does like why doesn't every single Star Wars character have a jetpack? Like it's the most useful like accessory. Uh, and Mandalorian, that's a whole different topic because like episode two of season two, you showed us that you can call it remotely with your glove. So why didn't you use it to go say Grogu? Why why are you like running up a hill? The hell happened? Where where did your rifle go? You, you you dropped the rifle and the jetpack, and you came back with the jetpack, but you didn't use it. Where's the rifle? What happened? Yeah, but that's a whole. <laughs> these things don't have to be. They've never they've never been perfect to begin with, and so no. and we don't need them perfect now. But yeah, just, there are things that like. Oh, it's a I space just, fantasy. Like like let some things slide. <laughs> I just think that stuff's fun to think about sometimes. Um, but but yeah, going back and talking about the fight, a lot of people, especially on TikTok, will absolutely crap on the sequel lightsaber fights. They they you always see those videos. It's like, oh, how did we go from this? And they show the Obi Annie fight to 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 this, and they show a clip of of a sequel lightsaber fight. And to me, 
the sequel lightsaber fights make perfect sense why they look like that in in context of the Star Wars universe because obviously with the prequels the Jedi Order is still around lightsaber fights are still happening you know they happen they happen a lot we're talking 50 plus years after the Jedi Order has been wiped out lightsaber fights don't happen really anymore people aren't fighting the way they they used to and and it makes perfect sense why they're not over the top doing obiani spins and flips and everything and and i just think that that if you take the time to think about where the star wars universe is and like what's happening at that time it makes perfect sense um why they look the way they do also I really like the just the way they look. I think it's more it's obviously more grounded than the prequel lightsaber fights, but I, I feel like I was trying to come up with a word to describe it. And I really couldn't think of anything. So I, I'm gonna say I think they have a little bit more spice than the original trilogy fights did, especially the one in A New Hope. Um, but but I think it's a good mix of both. It's a good mix of the the prequel lightsaber fights and the original trilogy fights. And I think they're entertaining and I, I can't get enough of them. I I especially love this fight because as you're watching it. Um, you're watching Kylo Ren do some very specific things of either like Makashi, where he's taking Ray's swipe or whatever, and he's going with that same momentum and sweeping her attack away, or she tries to hit him and he just hits straight through her attack of like, nope, that's nothing. Uh, and it, I don't know, it just to to me it makes sense and it, and it actually. Because uh, you, you see her doing a lot of you know broad swings and stuff like that. That's how that's how Luke fought. Do we forget? I mean, you watch uh, Return of the Jedi and Luke is at the beginning. Luke is on the the sail barge and he's just swinging wildly side to side. Uh, uh, he that's what he does when Vader calls out. Um, Oh, you have a sister. That's that's exactly how he does it. Uh, but I I love the fight because of the layers of it. You know what I mean? Like, a we see him get shot in the stomach. Um, first of all, like a, a stomach wound is the most painful wound because you're there's a lot of stuff down there that shouldn't get mixed up. You know what I mean? Like you should. Yeah. <laughs> um. Not only that, but we saw how much damage this thing can do. But as we watch this fight play out, you know, first he fights Finn. And in this final act, I mean, this is, we got to see him take off his helmet. By the way, a lot of, I know a lot of women find Adam Driver to be beautiful, but I have to say, when he took off his helmet, I thought he looked like a wet dog. I was like, why is his no, face so long? Why the long face, he's, buddy? He's the most attractive little sheepdog there ever is. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what he is. <laughs> no, but I, I loved it because it established like, oh no, this isn't Vader. This guy is unhinged and his goal is to get there. And he doesn't even think in himself that he's going to get there. Ray calls that out. But as we're watching him fight, we're like, yeah, he's this is this is not the same, but he's still powerful. So he's fighting Finn and he's just toying with Finn this entire time. He knocks Finn on his butt and could finish Finn right there. And he doesn't. He turns around and walks away and lets Finn get back up. As soon as Finn does get a hit on him, he's like, nope, all right, playtime's over. Uh, yeet, you know, sends the lightsaber flying, slashes him in the back, 
on to the next one. <laughs> and he does the same thing with, with Ray. Through 90% of the fight, she's in full retreat. She cannot run away from him yeah. fast enough. And he holds her to a cliff and is like, you need a teacher. And he's basically saying, like, I'm showing you the difference here. Um, you should join me because they have this this connection. And I, I love that throughout this entire movie, we've had the force whispering to Ray. You know what I mean? We can hear it because there's an audio cue of like the like a twinkling audio cue. And it's what led her to the lightsaber. And it's what it's it does a whole bunch of things. Um, but that's what we've we learned that the force does when when Luke is training with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's not teaching him how to deflect bullets. He's teaching him how to trust his instincts, how to listen to the force. And so when she finally does that and the scene and her facial expressions mirror Luke in the X-Wing when he makes a shot of like stops, calms down, breathes, closes his eyes and listens to the force. And that's when she gains power. But that's the thing I wanted to ask you about, Alex, because in the novelization, there's a voice there. Telling her, uh-huh. <laughs> telling her stuff. Uh, yeah. Thoughts? Uh, so there's two moments in the novelization and uh, for this scene that I want to talk about. And number one is that there is a voice that's telling her to kill him in that in that moment, and that is questionable whether it's like a dark side voice within her like own thing of what she's dealing with, or if it's somebody else. I always thought maybe it could be Snoke or maybe now we know it's Palpatine because it could have been that. Um, and I always found that interesting. There's another moment though, when um, she grabs, when the saber comes to her, he looks at her in the book and he says, it is you. Yeah. Like he knows who she is. It is you. And we know they recorded it because an action figure says it. There is a Kylo Ren doll that came out that says that. And I, for like after Last Jedi came out, I was like, well, what, what was that supposed to mean? I don't understand same, anymore. Same. And now, and, 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 but now, now I'm guessing the reasoning for it is that she's his dyad because we know from the comics that um, she has a connection with him even when she's a child on Jakku. And so it is quite possible that he has felt her as well. And so I'm going to assume now that the it's just him saying, it is you. You're the person I have a connection with. Maybe that's why I'm so interested in you. It is, it's it's a moment that is so interesting and so good. And yep, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's got it. It's like, it's a moment that's so interesting and so good. And I wish they had kept it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if it left the cutting room floor because they had already written The Last Jedi because they wrote The Last Jedi before the movie came out. That's possible. Or it's just possible they just didn't want it anymore. Like, I'm not going to make, like, assumptions that, of what they actually decided on doing. But it it's such a fascinating moment, especially now that we're like, okay, it could be the dyad thing. I have an answer for it now. Um, but yeah, and then... So we have that and we have the voice and there's just so much going on in the novelization of that scene that I think is just so interesting, like underneath the layers. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I I I love it because it, and I can I can imagine them being like, no, we can't have this in because we don't want to spoil like the surprise or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and now people are like, there's no planning. And you're like, no, but it was it was there. <laughs> like I can, you can't. Okay, whatever. But yeah, that uh, it is you moment did stick with me a lot. Um, I, I I do love it. Uh, okay, and so you know, we were talking about uh, Starkiller Base, and then he obviously gets gets rescued from it. Um, somewhat reluctantly. <laughs> but I, I love, I, I just love how they set up, uh, how, how they set up um, Hux's character of these guys are at each other's throats, but they're both trying to please the same person. And it's interesting how that plays out in the future. Uh, now, after that, and all, all is said is, and done, and they make it off of Starkiller Base before it implodes, um, which is sad, because that was Ilum. Um, that's where the Jedi go to get their lightsaber crystals. Sad day. Uh, <laughs> but... We also get something that J.J. Uh, Abrams admits was a, a huge failure on his part, is to not have Chewie interact with Leia after... after I was just about side. to bring that up. Yeah. Yep. He just walks right past her, with no acknowledgement, just just straight past. They, they, they did try to write around it, but like, oh, when someone dies, Wookiees grieve differently. But we, we, we know what it is. Which is okay. Which is okay. Yeah. Uh, but any any thoughts of you know the end of this of them coming back of them putting the map together of them in the final scene uh, in, yeah. in Scotland. Uh, one of <laughs> my only complaint probably about this movie is why did R two wake up in that moment? I don't actually. Un- Do you know? Because I don't understand it. If you have a reason, I would love it. This is purely headcanon, but um, I Good. I think it's just because Ray is finally at the base, and Ray just like she's force sensitive. She has like a lot of similarities to Luke, and R two is just like I feel something. Time, it's time. Um, so I will that's, accept that's- it. I have no other reason. <laughs> no, 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 no. The the reason though is in the novelization. Is it? Because I don't remember it. Oh my goodness. So the first time they go back to the Resistance base um, after Ray gets taken, that's when BB-8 rolls into into R2. Um, and in the novelization, there's a light that turns on in R2 where he's basically processing and basically because he has all these years of all these memories and all this stuff and when they come back is when he's finished going through that ooh that's thank cool thank you because I didn't remember that so thank okay. you <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah definitely not not made clear in the films but that yeah that is it in the novelization uh, that was released along with the movie by Alan Dean Foster I believe yeah um, it was but uh, yeah I mean any uh, more thoughts on that or seeing Luke for the first time after, you know, what was it, 35 years at that point, 37 years? So I, um, like I said at the beginning, I like, like Star Wars, I wasn't like 
into Star Wars until um, like a year and a half ago. Um, but I remember watching The Force Awakens in theaters because of that Jedi um, steps scene. Um, that music just like sunk into my soul. And I just like remember that clearly. Um, I thought it just did such a good um, leaving the door open for The Last Jedi for um, like it could be anything coming up um, with Luke. Like we know, we know he hid away, but um, don't really know much else. So I thought that was really, really cool to have um, such kind of a wide open door. Um, and Bray's just standing there like, please take this, please take this. Um, the other thing I will say um, really quick um, that I see it, I see the island when Kylo was interrogating her. Is it, was it that island or was it just, an island. Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it was Ajto that she was having yeah. visions of it in her dreams. Yeah. I mean, she had never seen an island at that point. So, yeah. right. Yeah. I just know. love how they they left us on a literal cliffhanger. And, <laughs> and I just, I just, I remember the anticipation for those two years in between because I just, I needed to know what happened next. And, and yeah, I thought that was a really good, good way to, to end it. There, there is something in that moment that's so important to me for in understanding Ray's character. Um, she ends the movie holding out the saber for Luke. Even though she's fought Kylo Ren and won, she is still holding out the saber for a hero. She's not accepted that she is this hero that's going to, to lead everybody. And then The Last Jedi, she's trying to pull him to be the hero still. And then when he won't, she switches gears and is like, okay, well then Ben's going to be the hero because I believe that that's what's going to happen. And it's not until the rise of Skywalker that she finally accepts that she is the hero that's going to save everybody. And that that's her purpose. And I saw like, not to like go too far ahead, but like I'd seen so many people like complain that it's like, she's already earned the saber. Why is she saying I will earn your, your brother's saber, but that's how she thinks. She doesn't believe that she is this hero yet. And that she is like, we know that she's earned the saber, that she's done all these amazing things and everything, but she has so much self-doubt like throughout the trilogy and like growing and realizing that this is who she is. And so it ends with her, even though she has done all these amazing things, being like, this is the real hero. I have finally found him and I can pass on the mantle to him. <laughs> but ultimately that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's not what's gonna happen, and it's it's funny because there was like there were so many theories going around, and um, this is a case where I was right on 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 all of them because, um, not because I'm special, but because they they told us in the Force Awakens, <laughs> they straight up told us like Luke had a Jedi school, one of his students ruined it, he felt responsible, so he walked away. So I'm like. Yeah, he's not going to take it because we've already established that, right? But uh, I don't know. People looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> it, it, it happens though. But yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk let's let's talk characters. Um, uh, first, I'm going to start with with Finn. Um, your your guys thoughts on on Finn's introduction and journey in this one. I really liked Finn. The idea of having a defective stormtrooper was was fascinating. I thought. I thought the execution in this movie was was really well done. 
It also crossed my mind. I don't know if it was during this movie or, or when it happened, but it crossed my mind for a moment. I was like, oh, what if Finn's a double agent? What if he defected on purpose for the First Order to like infiltrate the Resistance? I thought that would have been something cool to see. But but um, yeah, Finn Finn was... I really enjoyed Finn in this one. I thought I thought his story was really cool. And, and seeing... That he doesn't he doesn't really care about much except he knows how dangerous the first order is and he knows how ruthless the first order is and he needs to get away and that's what he feel like feels like until he meets Ray and then him you can see the connection he he has for Ray and how much he cares about Ray and then literally goes back to Starkiller Base just to get her out of there and, and everything and then that his his story in the Last Jedi too is is I mean he's not part of the resistance he's literally trying to run away but then by the end you know he he kind of comes around and I just thought I thought Finn was was really interesting. I think Finn is so wholesome. I I I love how like he is just sometimes he feels like the character that's so easy for us to see through because he's just so new to everything with the resistance and he's just so and such in like an awe sort of way. And uh, I really love him for that. And I, I do love when he goes back for, for Ray on Starkiller base and they have that moment of like, he's the first person who came back for her, that she waited her whole life for somebody to come back for her. And he did. And they have like that, that really beautiful moment in connection. And I, I, even, even if they were not like a romantic love, they loved each other. Like they, like that for me, they're such a good representation of what true, like friendship platonic, like truly, like I will love you no matter what friendship is. And I, I adore them so much. <laughs> yeah. And it, so at the beginning it could have gone either way. It could have. Yeah. But I, I do appreciate it for, for what it was because, um, um, in my own personal life, I have a lot of friends that, that are girls and some of them started out as that <laughs> and turned into something else. And it's not cause I'm a simp. <laughs> no, no, not, not, not at all. But the way that, um, I don't know. I, I feel like we gloss over the fact that uh, the trope of toxic masculinity negatively affects men. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say just as much, but it's pretty bad to the point where um, men cannot be open with each other about certain things. And the feeling is... Oh, you can only talk about this stuff with a girl, but only if she's your girlfriend. So now you have a bunch of guys who only date girls when really they need a therapist. (laughs) So I don't know. That's just, that's just kind of funny for me, but, uh, sorry, Haley, any Finn thoughts? Um, I, I love Finn. I want more Finn content. Um, I know it's touched on like, both in this movie, but like definitely in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, but his force connection. I just, I want to see that like more and more. Like I love the Lego uh, holiday special because we actually saw them training together. I just, it's so special to have, um, to have a fair character like Finn um, because like he made a really hard decision. Like he was programmed since birth to like kill Um, And he decided to leave everyone he's ever known and like the only organization he's ever been a part of and like, find like made the right choice. Um, And 
got wrapped up in this whole mess um, and <laughs> seemed like a good thing. <laughs> all right. And then, uh, all right, we'll jump to, to Poe. Uh, thoughts on Poe? We'll start with, uh, we'll start with, with Kevin, actually. I really like Poe. Poe is, Poe is the hotshot pilot that, that if I was in Star Wars, I'd be one. I want to fly in his squadron. Um, I've always had, and I'm a car guy, you know, I, I, I enjoy driving a little over the speed limit limit from time to time. Um, I used to so be. I, yeah, it got expensive. I, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I feel that. Uh, I like going fast and I like adrenaline and that's why I've always kind of, kind of really enjoyed pilots, uh, throughout all eras of star Wars and, and seeing, seeing Poe beyond one of the main characters being this, this hot shot ace pilot was just really cool to see. And, uh, he had a lot of great moments in this one that I'm like, I said before that one scene where he takes out 13 people and, and, and that short matter of time was, was so cool. And, and just, just, he's the first main character you see in the movie. He was on that mission to uh, get the map um, from Laura Santeca, which uh, the novel before the awakening, uh, if anybody hasn't read it, I, I definitely recommend that tells the um, stories of Finn, Poe, and Ray, and what they were up to right before the Force Awakens, it provides a lot of great insight. But I thought I thought Poe's story was really interesting because he was with the New Republic, but then kind of got recruited by Leia and joined the Resistance and went on this crazy like heist mission right before the Force Awakens. Um, and and he had a lot of lot of good, cool um, moments in this movie. But it's interesting too because he's he's absent for for a good chunk of the film. You kind of think he's dead almost. Uh, until he comes back and saves the day with the rest of the resistance. I don't know. I really enjoyed Poe. The novelization also covers what happens to, to Poe when he crash lands, which is interesting. And I will also recommend Poe Dameron Freefall to you, Kev, because that is... Uh, is that the comic? Or is that a novel? I don't know if they made a comic, but it's, it is a novel. And the the Poe... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the Poe comic is um, by Charles Soule, and that, that okay. one's a really good run. Yeah, I need, I That's need good to... Too. The whole egg? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, I need... Yeah, I was going to say, I need to read the comic because it's got my boy Snap Wexley in there. It does. And I, can't, I couldn't not be on this podcast and not bring up Snap Wexley at least once. So, so I, had, I had to get that in there. Uh, when I did my TikTok on Mr. Bones, I had several comments that said the same thing word for word. And it was, I would yeet myself into the sun for Mr. Bones. <laughs> I love Mr. Bones. I is, love him so That much. is accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, how how about you, Haley? Uh, uh, Poe Dameron thoughts? Poe is just so much fun. Like he is just this light of of the sequels. Like he just so funny, like so impulsive, but like you root for him the whole time. Like um, absolutely great. Um, I one small moment, like super super small moment that I didn't realize until um, like my tenth time watching Force Awakens. Um, when Ray's eating dinner, um, she sees a ship fly off. And I totally just put it together that it was probably Poe's ship. Because um, how else would he get off the planet? I'd like, I thought that was mm -hmm. super tiny, but like significant. Um, but yeah, his character arc um, was awesome. Awesome. I love it. And Alex? Uh, Poe is not a character that like, I like him. I, I don't mean this in any like bad way. He's just not like a character that I like super connected with. But that said, I really enjoy him. 
Like, I think he's fun. Uh, we've talked about that shot where he kill, like, where he gets all those TIE fighters and the cinematography in that moment is just so good because you're like down with Finn watching it happen. And like, I think that that's so much fun. Uh, over the course of the sequels, um, I grew not to like him as much. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I do like him. Like, I, I, it's, I don't like the way he goes with Haldo, but like, I, I really do like him in this movie. I think he's fun. And, uh, because we talked, we talked about that he was missing for a chunk of the movie. That there's like the interesting reason that that happened is that originally they were just going to kill Poe's character. Yeah, he was going to die at the Abrams, beginning. Yeah, and J.J. Abrams liked Oscar Isaac so much and liked his character so much that they're like, let's keep him. And I agree with that because he's he, even if I don't super relate to him, he's an important character in the trilogy, and I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> is is he discount Han Solo? No, no, I think he's different. He's very different. <laughs> I, it's, it's it's so I, I hear a lot. Um, yes, he absolutely falls under the same archetype. But like the way I see it is like both Incredible Hulk and Drax fall under the same archetype of the strong guy of the crew. They are not the same character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the crews are, are, are of... If you watch heist movies or cop movies or anything else, there's always the same archetype of any group. Just because someone falls into this archetype doesn't mean they're emulating someone else from a different one. That's that's kinda kind of my thing. Alright. Um Kylo Ren thoughts over overall. And I'm going to uh Haley first. Well um Yes, Kylo. I love that you can see Ben from the beginning. Like, I just, it's so powerful. You see, like, he's not your typical villain. Like, he, um, like, the first scene you see him in just absolutely going wild. Um, and, like, this is a very dangerous character. Um, but then you see, wait, this is not Vader. This is definitely something different and something new. Um, and then... Let's see. I j Ben's redemption. Like, I know it's not The Force Awakens, but, like, that was, like, crying in the theater. Like, that was so good. So good. Um, and this scene, um, I'm totally jumping back and forth. I'm sorry. But um, uh, with, with Kylo and Han, um, like, it's so powerful. Like, you just see the emotion on his face and in his voice and... Um, he thinks he's making the right decision for his future. And then like, you know, it's, it's just not um, obviously rooting for Han, not today because the audience, but like there's so much more as a character that like comes from Han's death. Um, and it was, it was just awesome. Um, yeah. And also like, it's never too late to make things right. Like, um, I think that's a big part of his story because mm -hmm. he's like, oh, it's it's too late. It's too late. And it's like, no, it's you, you can start now. And, and to me, that's the biggest message of Star Wars is that your past does not define you. Um, now, doing the right thing now does not absolve you of all the wrong stuff you've did before. But the whole purpose is this is not Thelma and Louise. You don't have to go over that cliff. Uh, so, like, calm down. Um, 
Uh, I, I'm going to throw you a monkey wrench, and then everyone else can also factor it in when they talk about Kylo Ren. But um, there's a, a handsome man named uh, Marilius Wolf, uh, and he says, I think that the fact that Kylo can be seen as an emo teen throwing a tantrum is also part of that toxic masculinity in a different way. And I'm curious if you have any further thoughts on that, but everyone else can also factor that in once, once I get to you. Love me some emo boys. Um, I'm de- like, I, yes, love, love me some emo boys. Um, but I just, I think, um, that's why I relate to him so much. Like it just, every emotion is just like, oh, I, I get that. Like, I, I get that. Like not to the extent, obviously, because I'm not um, murderous, but just so great. So great. We needed an emo in, in Star Wars. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that fully because I... I grew up full on Midwest emo, um, and I was in a band. That we, I mean, we started out as a ska band, but we we turned emo nice. pretty quick. Um, uh, yes, I know how to play "Beauty and the Breakdown" acoustic. Uh, um, yeah, it, it, it was. It's nice to, to feel represented, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, your thoughts, Alex? Uh, are you still able to hold on a second? There you go. Can you still hear me? Because my my headphones are deciding that they don't want to work very well right now. So as long as you can hear I me, I can hear you. Good. It's not quite as good, but I it's I can still hold on. Let me see if off. Can you hear me better? Or let's strip them back in. All right. Uh, yeah, I leave them in. You're good. Okay. So, um, I, especially because. I know what he's talking about because that's my husband. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kylo Ren is a character who has been through a lot of trauma. Uh, we know from the novelization of The Force Awakens that um, Snoke has been a part of his life since he was in the womb. Like he's been talking to him since he was in the womb. He's been groomed. He's been manipulated to the point that he's at right now. And it's very easy to write off his tantrums as being just funny or writing off him crying as, oh, he's just the emo boy that shops at Hot Topic. But in a way, when you're not looking further into it and you're not, it it reads into how we treat mental health for males, especially in this country, uh, that we will write it off often as, oh, men aren't allowed to cry or men aren't allowed to have these emotions and such. And like his tantrums are a huge, a huge indication of like PTSD and like how he doesn't understand how to handle rage. He has no, I'm like jumping forward now, but like when, when he's talking to like Ray in the throne room, he's actually attempting to have some sort of connection with her. And he has no way of giving a healthy sort of expression of love. It is not, it's hey, not healthy. Hey girl, I just want you yeah. to know that you're nothing. You're nothing. You're you're nothing. No one. You have um, no place in the story. But not to me. But not to me. <laughs> that somehow makes it better. Flirting no, with Kylo it's like it's like, he's really he learned how to flirt from Snoke. Right. It's that's it's what happens. Honest, it's an honest attempt. Like he, it's really an honest moment from him. But he has no way of healthily expressing who he is at all because it's happened since he was a baby, and. I love his character so much. I think he is the deepest Star Wars character that exists. Like, there's so many layers to him. Um, 
and like especially if i'm just looking at like the force awakens as i said we have those tantrums we have um huh, we talked about him with the blaster bolt and everything and one of the interesting moments that we didn't bring up with his uh situation with hux is that he is not present during hux's speech and that is so important he's not there when they're firing the weapon he is off on his own watching the weapon be fired alone. And that's expanded upon in the novel that he didn't want the weapon to fire. He actually tries to stand up to Snoke and be like, hey, I don't know if this is the best idea. And he gets shot down. And obviously, because, you know, he's been like, you know, groomed to this point, he doesn't really fight it. But I have had so many people like argue with me. It's like he he caused the system destruction. I'm like, no, he didn't even want it to happen. Like, sure, he is complicit in it because he doesn't exactly stop it. But that's a Hux thing. And it's part of their like which tension is, with each other. Which is so much more tragic because the yeah. audio that plays when Luke is looking into his mind is that audio. It's the same audio clip from the destruction of the Hosnium system. Oh, man. <laughs> it's it. He got, is such a... Yeah, he's such a good and layered character. And... Uh, you, you just, you have him offering to train Ray for like, no, I, how would, how would Snoke have like agreed to that? Like, I don't, I, that, that's completely off on his own. He's like, I'm, I'm going to be your teacher. And I don't think Snoke would have been on board with that one. So that would have been like an interesting uh, thing. But, but she's but the first person he's had a connection with. Right, right. Even if it's this forced, not real connection at this point, it's like he's just clinging on to this. Like, I, we're like each other. We're the same person. I'm going to cling on to this. And it's just fascinating. I, I could go on way too long about oh, it. That's so. really interesting. No, no, I'm I'm just like, I'm mesmerized, too. And I, I'm mad because I did a Kylo Ren episode and I didn't have you on it. I'm going to have to do another <laughs> one with you, SoCal Costumes, and... um two alexes is that too many oh my me and, me and alex van talk about kylo way too often like <laughs> <laughs> uh but your thoughts on uh kylo Ren, kevin yeah i thought my my fascination with kylo began before the movie even came out when you see him ignite that that lightsaber in that teaser trailer for the first time and i remember a time a long time ago when that was the most divisive thing about star wars with was kylo ren's lightsaber and that was the that was the thing people were arguing about the most um so going into the force awakens i had i had a very high expectation to like this character little did i know he would become my favorite character in all of star wars um Ever since The Force Awakens, I was like, he is so, so complex that, that the, the casual viewer or somebody who just you know casually watches the movie might not pick up on it. But if you, if you take the time to, to dig a little deeper into his character, he is so interesting. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, he's presented as your stereotypical big bad villain. But then the first time he has a temper tantrum, you're like, wait a minute. He's he's he. This is not how a big bad villain is supposed to react to a, a minor inconvenience. You know, this is not how how Darth Vader would react to to this situation. And you see that he's he's different, and he's got these these different things about him. And then when he takes off his mask, he's not deformed. He's not you know he's 
it's Adam Driver. Uh, he's he's this young and and Kylo Ren is this young kid, and but he's vulnerable to his emotions, and he he struggles with his feelings, and he has this constant struggle between light and dark, and that that drives his character, and he's kind of trapped in a spot where he doesn't necessarily want to be. He's been groomed and, and gaslighted by Snoke all these years, and and reading the the Rise of Kylo Ren comic provides so much more insight to that, and. and it's just fascinating. Kylo Ren is is by far to me the most interesting character in Star Wars, and there's so much depth, and he's got so many complexities, and, and especially the Last Jedi. I think he absolutely thrives in the Last Jedi. Him and him, his and Ray's storyline is by far my favorite part about Star Wars. Um, him and Ray are my my top two favorite characters in Star Wars, uh, followed by Boba Fett and Snap Wexley, of course. Um, but I absolutely love. Um, uh kylo and ray's story and and i also am a unapologetic raylo uh ever since ever since the last jedi you gotta love a good enemies to lovers trope that is uh, the best i love that trope so much you gotta love it yeah so and and just just oh i love kylo so much i was heartbroken when he uh died in in rise of skywalker but but all uh, right that's that's a whole spoilers yeah i know i'm sorry i'm sorry uh <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo is a whole different uh, discussion. But but yeah, I absolutely love Kylo Ren. I got him on my yeah. shirt. I'm wearing my Force Awakens shirt that, that <laughs> got him on it. I got a poster. I got I got the helmet right next to me. I'm I got yeah. I got a lot of Kylo. Oh, I love her oh. race staff. I don't even notice that. No. Yeah, I was grabbing my uh, my oh, Kylo. <laughs> there we go. That's awesome. Nice, nice. Um, beginning beginning of quarantine i ordered a darth vader shirt off etsy I'm very excited it came in as a kylo shirt and i was like i'm not mad about this at all <laughs> like that it's not my most worn shirt i'm like you know what decisions were made and i'm i'm happy um for me calorin has a special place in my heart because calorin is my sister it's a it's a weird way to explain it but um my my uh, my older sister is uh love you Brittany um but my older sister is she is Kylo Ren I, I don't even know how to explain it further than that but you know like you look at at my family with you know we had loving parents and uh she's the oldest she was given everything um like just a, a lot, a lot of stuff, you know, in high school, like our house had two master bedroom suites, like with a bathroom. That's what she got. Um, they bought her like a, the Toyota 4Runner that she wanted. She was the guitarist of my band, you know, she had uh, her, her Les Paul studio edition and like, we had all the stuff. We had really nice stuff, you know what I mean? But all she saw was the expectations that were being placed on her. And that's what Kylo Ren saw, is he was uh, had to have the legacy of this princess mom and his dad being a famous general slash famous smuggler slash famous racer. His uncle saved the galaxy. He was named after Obi-Wan Kenobi. He doesn't even, he doesn't even know Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> But it's a, another legacy, and and he's just like everyone is using me as as a legacy. No one sees me as a person. So, 
uh, I don't know. He he hits different for me because he's he's my sister who at this point in time struggles with drugs and like a, a bunch of stuff. She even lived with me for a short period of time. Uh, didn't didn't work out because of those other reasons. Anyways, <laughs> if, if I, I understand. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I I just so relate to that. Like, also the story of your sister. Like, I'm the oldest sibling. Um, like, my parents are like very successful in their own right. Like, I just always felt like the expectation and like that scene with Han. I would just like cry because like I I could feel my actions just killing them um and like feeling that intense regret and like also like this is the thing I have to do but like maybe I shouldn't be doing it like it like it was a lot it was really good yeah I I relate in like a similar way that like my husband is is Kylo like it's and I like I I won't go too deep into it because you know like that's his stuff to tell but like Marcus, Definitely tell, us, tell us in chat. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but like that—that was—that was his character that he clung on to, like, like so hard. And then maybe that also like was why I was like Raylo since 2015. But you know, like, um, but yeah, no, it was—it was a character that he related to in a way that I've never seen him relate to a character. I've never seen him leave a movie sobbing before. And he left The Last Jedi sobbing because they didn't save Ben. And I've never seen that in my husband. And so to know that this character touches people who have been through, like, hell in their own ways, like, it's so important. It's so important. I think he's a character that's just, is is really good for people who have been through certain things. And, And I think that's the greatest thing that Star Wars has brought to the galaxy and i think that's why it's stuck around no other franchise is like this no no other franchise is like this but each this latest star wars is meant for people to grow up with now it's it's meant to see what young people have been going through since the last one and give us a story on those people, on those actions, on on not knowing what your place in the universe is. Because you don't have those people. You need to find your own family. Um, you've been left behind. Maybe uh, your part, you get shunned by your family. Or maybe you're adopted. Or maybe, you know, so many different things. Or someone like Kylo Ren who... You're given everything, but not the right way or not, you know, or you're Finn where you belong to an organization and what they're doing is wrong and you can't get on board with it. Like, And I think that's that's like the, the most powerful thing that Star Wars has been giving to everyone. That's why each iteration needs to go for the next generation. And if it ever stops that formula, that's when it dies. Not when it, you know what I mean? Like, if you're not catering to people who are fans of 1977, that's not what kills it. It's when you're not taking care of the people that are going to grow up with it today, just like they grew up with it then. 
Like, I'm so glad girls have a ray to look up to now. Like, I was looking up yeah. to, like, Disney princesses, which was great. But, like, having a powerful character who, like, knows right and wrong and then, like, has to struggle with that, like, that is so important. I got made fun of when I was little of uh, when we play Star Wars at school. And I'm like, I'm Luke Skywalker. And they're like, no, you're not. You could be Lando or you could be Chewbacca. <laughs> you're like okay i'm vader <laughs> that's that's what i would do and that's why even though it doesn't quite match my personality i'm usually darth on most things because i've that's that's how i grew up but uh all right so we got kylo ren out of the way let's 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 talk ray um I can't remember who I started with last time, but you guys switched positions, so I'm just gonna start with Kev. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ray is 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 my second favorite character in Star Wars, and and I think a big reason of that is because I almost see Kylo and Ray as one in the same. You really can't think of one without thinking of the other. They're so yeah. interconnected, literally, with the with the Force dyad, and and like I said before, their story is by far my favorite part about Star Wars. But I I I can I can kind of uh, relate to Ray in a way. She's very compassionate, and and you see that throughout all the all the films. And I I like to think of myself as a pretty compassionate person, and and I know the value of of friendship, kind of like Ray does with with how she has. Finn and Poe and the Rise of Skywalker and how much you see that her friends mean to her. I've had a very close group of friends my entire life and I know the value of friendship and I know how important how they're basically family. And and another thing too, it's it's the whole Ray Skywalker thing, but literally it's her found family and but that's a that's a different uh discussion. And I, I you know, she's independent. I've always kind of been independent in my life and I, I i have to get stuff done for myself and i have to work for myself and and if i want something i have to go out and get it and i raised got that independence as well and i think that's a big reason why i like her so much is because i see a lot of myself in her um and and i just think she's such a such an inter- interesting character and so undeserving of all the hate that that she gets you can't you can't go on tiktok without without seeing ray just get an enormous amount of hate and it's it's so sad to see uh, yeah, yeah, you, you're, you're dead right, and there's this weird, like, thought of, oh, because I don't relate to this character, they're a bad character, and you're like, you don't have to relate to every main character ever, otherwise we would be seeing the same exact movie over and over again forever, and nobody wants that. Um, but, uh, Alex, what were your thoughts on Ray? Ray's my favorite character, uh, by far. Um, something I love about her is how optimistic she is and how much hope she has. Uh, it's something that, like, I think puts her apart from some of the other ladies in Star Wars. Not that they're bad or anything, but it's why I relate to her personally. Is, like, Jin has been through somewhat similar situations, but she has a very, like, cynical view on the galaxy. Whereas Rey truly just believes in things like she believes her parents are going to come back. She believes in good in the galaxy, like regardless of the fact that she's lived a life that is horrible. Like she's lived completely alone fighting every single day for food. And yet she just has such compassion and kindness. And the fact that she could go through so much and still be this person, I think is so inspiring. And that's, that's why I love her so much. And 
I also love not not to go too far like ahead in the sequels with her character, but I love that even though she's compassionate to people and she can see the good in people, she doesn't ever compromise herself ever. She doesn't put her friends in danger in order to be kind to somebody like she will always do what is right, even if it's in the consequence of her own emotions and feelings. And I, I, I really admire her for that. Yeah. And yeah, going to what you were saying, Kevin, about like being on TikTok with Ray, it's hard. I cosplay Ray on TikTok and I get so many comments and like, I'll be doing like a lip syncing video. There's nothing to do with anything. And people are like, Ray is terrible. And I'm like, okay, just keep scrolling. Like what? It's like, what? Yeah. Like, what? And just, on TikTok too, if you see a video about Ahsoka, there's always that that one person in the comment section that's like, "Oh, by far a better character than Ray." It's like the video had nothing to do with Ray. Like, how how many hours of the day do you, do you think about Ray? Like, yeah. if if you she, she lives in their head rent free, rent free. But and you can't. I, I want to add one thing. I, I gotta add something that uh, Yido Gaming said in the chat. He says, "I feel like so many um, writers try to write." masculine females instead of bracing their femininity which i think ray does beautifully so if you want to incorporate that into what you continue to say and then kev i'll wrap back around to you if you want to add on to that as well but yeah i i will agree with that but she she definitely is feminine in the way that she's so compassionate and caring and, and motherly even sometimes to people that she's always taking care of them and and then even more so i i don't understand the idea that in order to be a strong female you cannot have a romantic interest like it's like i'm sorry when i got married did i suddenly not become a strong female i i had a kid and i'm no longer strong okay moving on but like it's it's um it's weird so like turn the in the card she, yeah <laughs> <laughs> right sorry here you go um but the fact that she's able to to uh, and again i was saying that she can be compassionate but doesn't like compromise herself she has a romantic interest but she never stops being a strong character in order to have that romantic interest. In fact, never even gives into said romantic interest until he fixes himself. She doesn't fix him. He gets along with the program. And so it, that I think that that's so important that she's just so like, I, she is both strong and feminine at the same time. It's like she can be really soft, but she's not going to compromise her goals for you. And I, I, just really love that about her character and the scene where she's doing she she's crying but it's still like standing strong and doing the thing it's like she's there's nothing wrong with feeling the feeling but she's still doing the thing like i don't know i i really appreciate it but uh your thoughts on it um Corellia coffee yeah um like again to the facial expressions like you see so much and like I I don't know if I'm pretty sure this is a kind of genuine or general um experience for a lot of girls but like you can't you can't lay all your cards on the table like you have to like be coy in order to be respected um and so a lot of her like big moments are are silent and it's just her face working through something and so it's it's so important and like um I I just love Ray so much um yeah and she's she's always so determined to follow her gut like from the very beginning she like 
she's good at what she does, even like scrapping around on Jack Hale, um, will, um, in the novelization, um, Ankara Plutt, like, offers her money for the droid and she's like, how about 10, 10 th- or a hundred, um, instead of 60, like tries to one up him. Um, and so she'll like fight for what she wants. Um, and so much of her character development comes when she doesn't trust herself, um, and like, doesn't really know what she is. Um, and so it like her, her motivations kind of stay the same or like her, um, her drive kind of stays the same, but her, um, everything else changes so drastically that she has to learn to keep up. Um, and she's just such a great character for us to look up to. Yeah. I, I didn't see, and I, I see a lot of people now. Um, I'm not a woman and I do not identify as a woman, which means I lack both the hardware and the software to speak freely on the subject. However, um, I have had it pointed out to me that a lot of her struggle is to realize that she's the one that needs to take care of this. And she's constantly looking for others, um, to these, these other guys to like, Hey, you're supposed to step up to the plate. Right. Right. Like you're supposed to do this. Right. Like, and then she's the one that has to do it. She does it beautifully, but it's the courage to find that, that strength. Um, and I don't think I'm explaining this well, but does do any of you guys want to yeah. add on or anything to it? I, I honestly think you did a good job with that. Like, I, I think that that was good. And it was back to what I was saying before, with like the handing off of the lightsaber that she's always looking for somebody else to, to take it forward because she's never had to be the hero before. And like, I just want to add on, like, I think it's really important, especially for um, like older, more mature uh, men in the Star Wars community to stop using the word Mary Sue. Stop teaching that to the younger generation of men. It's it used wrong 90% of the time. Is. Absolutely. It, is. It, it, it may have started in a place where it was about a character from a fan fiction and there's the word Gary Sue, but it is almost 100% used in a sexist way now. It, it's not used in the way that it should be, and it's now rooted in sexism. And a lot of and people... Oh, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. no, no, go, go, Kevin. You're good. Uh, I was going to say a lot of people that call Ray and Mary Sue, they all they all have the same arguments of why, or like, oh, how is she able to fly the Falcon, or how did she beat Kylo? All the questions, all the answers of those questions are there. You literally just have to put mm-hmm. any amount of, of critical thinking, or, or, or just just think about it. She had fighting experience. She, she we see her in the movie literally use a bow staff. She knows how to take care of herself and, and staff. But she didn't train. train, but she didn't right, train. Exactly. And you're like, no, exactly. no, but, but she fought people like right. you train yeah. to learn how to fight people. She fought people. Right. Negating the training mm-hmm. and, and to learn how to fight people. Yes. Yeah. 
And staff skills transfer to lightscape saber skills. They're not entirely that different. And and just the the answers to the, their criticisms about why Ray R. Mary Sue are there, but they just they don't see them, and it just it drives me yeah. nuts sometimes. I, I've seen people say that like she knows more about the Falcon than Han Solo does. I'm like, no, she doesn't. She just knows what Uncar Plot added to the Falcon because she helped do it. It has nothing to do with she knows the ship better than he does, and it's. All the answers are there. It's just, I think, unfortunately, <laughs> we live in a time period where there's so many angry YouTubers that just say the same thing over and over again. And the younger generation tends to just watch that and not put their own critical work into it. And you end up with a bunch of people who think the exact same thing. And it's like, wait a minute, stop. I, I, I love I love hearing Jake have Parker talk about it because... <laughs> Jacob Parker's <laughs> wife is a martial arts expert. He doesn't say it in his videos. His wife is a martial arts expert, and his kids train in martial arts, train other people in martial arts. And you're like, he he know, but he's he's, he's he doesn't name drop him. But I don't know. It just it just makes me laugh. Um, another thing too, I just want to say really quick: if Ray was a man. She would not get nearly as much hate. No, that's that's a huge reason of it, why, and that's so sad. It is. We accept a nine-year-old boy suddenly being able to fly a starship. He's never flown a starship before, <laughs> and destroying stuff. And it's and we just accept it because he's the chosen one, and we've been told that. And it's I don't know how we can accept that, but we can't accept a woman who's saying, "Hey, I know how to do this." actually knows how to do it it's very strange <laughs> I, I i just wonder like how i'm watching the same movie as some of these people because i'm like there's just it, they lay it out for you so easily and like the th same thing has happened before like you meet a character and all of a sudden oh wow they can they can do something very cool um why are we why are we picking it apart and saying um they can't when they very obviously can it, 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 yeah, yeah, it, it happened. Oh, uh, and then, <laughs> sorry, uh, you, you know, gaming also brings up my favorite, my favorite argument. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I like Ahsoka, so, so that can't be it. And you're like, <laughs> can you, uh, like, it hurts. If, it, if, it, it, it physically hurts me to, because uh, you know, at, at this at this point, um, you know, I, I get to talk to thousands of Star Wars fans on a daily basis and talk about what they love, and each person loves something unique and one of a kind. And I that's why I love talking to you, finding people like you guys who all love this thing, and every you guys are all saying something different. Everyone who hates it, they all watch the same five YouTube videos and they'll say the exact yeah. exact same thing word for word word for like people ask me oh how do you respond to all of these people I responded to one of them and I saved it to a clipboard if you look at my videos it's yeah. it's the same because the complaint is is exactly the same word for word yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 hilarious to me but i think it's also I, oh, sorry go ahead. go ahead kevin okay I, I think it's also um really 
easy to forget when we're in this community on on uh, TikTok or or podcasting or or cosplay and everything. The general casual Star Wars fan is not the people you're talking to online. That's they true. do not spend their time talking about Star Wars online. I do uh, trooping with the Rebel Legion and 501st, and I see these fans that love Star Wars but are not going to spend their time online talking about it. These children love Rey and Kylo. They love them. Like, I can't tell you the number of, like, like you you go to these events and there's people lining up to take pictures with you. And it's and when people are telling you online that like the sequels are universally hated, I'm like, I just know that's not true because and, and, I, I've seen it. Yeah, and that's that's my exact experience. Now that I get to talk to uh, you know thousands of of people and finding out how many of them are like, I I love these things, but I don't post about them because of how toxic people are. And I think about myself. I love Star Wars, but I didn't talk about it because of how toxic people were to me. Because I was, I thought at one point I was the only person on the planet that enjoyed the sequels. I literally thought no one on earth but me likes these movies because of the amount of hate that people are telling me. And now that's not true at at all. And it's, there are more of us, Chaco. There are more of us. Exactly. <laughs> and I get to hear people like Victoria Vader talk about how these little little children come to her studio to learn dance and they're arguing about Star Wars. He's like little girls. It's that's so cool to me. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I think I think the toxic side of the fandom is definitely a loud minority. Yeah. Um, there I mean, obviously the negativity is is, is speaks loudly, but I there are more they're just they're just a small part of the the fandom that's very loud and annoying. Um, but there are definitely more. There's more positivity than negativity, I think. Yeah, and and that's actually what has. I mean, that's 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 why we're here. That's 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 <laughs> what's encouraged me to continue forward because there are new fans each and every day. I talk to people where they're like, "I always thought Star Wars was boring," but. I and then I played Jedi Fallen Order and then I watched the movies and now I like it. And I realized that every single new project that comes up, it's hard to believe that not everyone fell in love with it when I did as a kid. But as that's that's why that's literally my first question to everyone is how did you find it? Where did you guys get started? Because you find out, oh. No one fell in love with it when I did, like, or, or like a really small minority did. <laughs> I just assume we're all the same, but we're not. It's it's and it's really interesting. But you really get to to feel that, especially with all these new projects that are coming down the pipeline. Those are going to be the very first introductions to Star Wars, to a whole lot of new people, and so. I want I, I want to make sure that they come into a nice environment and don't have to just deal with people who, you know, you want to see Luke at, at his peak. He had a peak. We just didn't see it. And that's okay. Like, breathe. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I'm excited about. I'm curious uh, on, on one thing, though. One thing I think it was a, was a big missed opportunity is politics. Now, we didn't get to understand the politics that were going behind. Now, if, if anyone has not read 
Bloodline by Claudia Gray. Read that book. It's that's is next great. on my list. I, it's so good. I, <laughs> I recommended it to um Jedi underscore Starkiller. And he was like, Yeah, I read that in three days. I literally couldn't put the book down. Um so yeah. Definitely read that because that'll let you know the political scene. I'm not opposed to it not being there because this was Ray's story and it doesn't apply to Ray. It was in the prequels because the Jedi were at the prequels were actually Obi-Wan Kenobi's story. Really. Um, but it takes place on Coruscant, in the middle of this whole political thing, obviously it's going to be in there. They weren't really present in the original trilogy because it was not relevant to the story that was being told. But your guys' thoughts on politics and the overall state of the galaxy for the sequel trilogy. So I was a political science major, so politics is like what I just consume every single day. Absolutely love it. Um, Padme is probably my favorite character. And like, that's the one I can like nail down and say like, no, she's my favorite just because she is such a good, powerful politician. Like she love her. Um, so I wish we got some politics in the sequels. Um, but again, like you said, um, totally understand why we didn't. Um, I would, I think it would be a really cool, um, short story or like if they could put it in any other kind of media just so we get something um because bloodlines amazing but that was that was 15 years like it was no no that was that was six years before the force awakens was it only six wow (laughs) wow okay never mind then um that was that was so cool i got the impression ben was younger um but looking back i'm like no he was definitely with luke at that time right yeah yeah. And she didn't get to tell him about Vader. Oh, it hurts. But oh I can talk about Bloodlines forever because it was incredible. <laughs> Same. Uh, Claudia Gray, if you're watching this, uh, I'm going to need you to write a script for a Star Wars movie. And, and, not or, and I need a book of you telling me the story of um, Obi-Wan and Satine. That's that's what I need. Is like them going to Mandalore. Obi-Wan is still with Qui-Gon. They have to like separate and Obi-Wan is forced super strict Obi-Wan is forced to go on this mission with Satine and see what happens. Claudia Gray make that happen. And, and, and anyways, sorry. Continue about the politics in the sequel. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, what I care about, like if I'm being 100% upfront honest, I care about the Jedi and the Force. So like, in retrospect, I could be like, yeah, it would have been nice to know a little bit more about it, but I did not even notice that it was missing when I watched it. it was, it's just not personally my thing to, to miss. But I do know that they had some deleted scenes uh, talking with somebody in the New Republic um, which would have been interesting and maybe filled in a little bit of the extra gaps of what was going on there. But um, it wasn't personally my focus of this is something that was missing. And, and that's, that's fair. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Off of that, like Star Wars is 
a galaxy. Like it has so many different aspects. And I love that different people find different things. Like I would never play the video games because that's just not my thing. But would I read novel upon novel about the politics of Star Wars? Absolutely. <laughs> like Queen, Sh Queen Shadow, Queen's Peril were like my favorite books because it went so deep. And I was, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of um, mad yeah. I didn't get to talk to you about those, but I, I had like... <laughs> four other girls on that podcast and i was like okay no this is this might be too many <laughs> excellent books but i will likely be coming back to you for leia princess of alderaan because i have not yes. covered that one yet um yeah so and, and that's that's the hard part and it's uh, it's also it's another thing I hear is like oh well you shouldn't have to read outside material and you're like no but it's not necessary to the story that is being told. And as much as there are things that I would like to know personally, is it necessary for this specific story? It, it might, it might not be. Um, and the thing that I always try to, and, and I get, you know, people in my comments, a lot of times it's young people. So I try to, to ask like, Hey, what assumptions are you making here? And I think that's one of the big problems with this particular film is that it had a lot of similarities to A New Hope. And because of the similarities, people made assumptions or one-to-one. -one. Okay, so the First Order is the Empire. First Order is not the Empire. Not enough. They're not in charge of the galaxy. They're really small. They're out in the far rim. Nobody knows that they exist. Kylo Ren is not the next Vader, but he, he would like to someday be... Ray is not Luke. She does not want to leave her home. She doesn't. She wants to stay here and do want to do her thing. Um, Poe is not is not Han Solo. He is not a he's not a smuggler in general. He likes to fly. He wants to be a hero and he wants to protect other people. And I don't know what they say about Finn because Finn is not Princess Leia. I guess uh, he's. I mean, he's a beautiful man, but. I've seen enough fan art on Tumblr comparing him to Princess Leia when they tried to like do the original like trilogy and they just like put Ooh. him in the dress and I'm just like, oh boy, Tumblr. <laughs> I felt the cold touch at the dark side when she said that. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Kevin, your thoughts? Yeah, I think the the really main reason why people might call Force Awakens is a new hope 2.0 is because you have a 19-year-old protagonist who's on a desert planet and they blow up another Death Star. Um it's really not the same movie. Yeah, there's similar plot plot points and, and a similar story structure, but but it's not a direct copy. Um, that's just that's just my thoughts on the matter. I did I did kind of enjoy how they they when they were doing the briefing they they were like I wish that was the case. This was the Death Star and this is Star Killer Base and, and they they kind of almost poking fun at, at the fact that yeah it kind of is another Death Star. Um, but yeah, I just I just it's not the same. Movie. No, I think. Uh... Uh, our, our good friend Brooke B. Dazzler in the chat um, is putting it perfectly when she says people immediately try to put them all in boxes. So I think that's why the sequels and The Last Jedi were especially so jarring. If that's what if that's what you thought was going to happen, then yeah, it'd be jarring. But if you like let the story unfold, then no, no, pro probably probably not. Um, I, 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 I don't know, but I, 
I'm along for the ride mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. Um, and that's that's how my approach is to all storytelling because I think that's how stories are told. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a big one that was coming up recently is how come Bo-Katan wouldn't take the Darksaber? It has to be a plot <laughs> hole. It's a plot hole. And you're like, no, no, no. I understand that she took the Darksaber once before like this, but she doesn't rule Mandalore right now. Maybe whatever happened is the reason she won't take it now. We have to let the story unfold. And so that's kind of my, where I come down on it. And I, and I just love being on this journey and I love being on this journey with you guys. This has been super fun. I don't know if you guys, I don't know. I don't know if you guys enjoy this as much as I do, but it's been having a blast. Great. This is so much fun. (laughs) By far, by far my favorite part of the whole TikTok experience it's been the people and, and being able to share our love and, and our passion for Star Wars with with each other. It's by far the best part of, of my experience. So this is my favorite thing to do is talk about Star Wars. So I'm, I'm loving every second of it. I never thought for a second I would. Uh, well, a make new friends as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> but but be like, uh, you know, people are like, oh, TikTok. That's just and an app for little girls dancing and like you're not wrong Uh, i mean but that's (laughs) (laughs) just have to tell it no i no do do not want um (laughs) uh i'm i'm just i'm really happy i i get to like hang out with people like you guys and that you guys are willing to talk to me i know Haley was was on the fence for for a while and i hope you feel better now. Yes, yes this was so okay. great. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so to, to get wrapping up, I'm only going to go around two more times. Uh, so first is, so any extra thoughts or tidbits or things that you think about this now that we have all nine episodes, how this whole thing connects? And what or other stories from this time period might you guys want um and i am going to kev first yeah so just just knowing how everything kind of played out with the sequels i i still love them um there are definitely some some things i would i would change and i have my criticisms they're not perfect movies they are by far not perfect movies but but that doesn't change the fact that i absolutely love them and they are my favorite trilogy and i i think it's funny because i grew up with the prequels and and everything but Force Awakens was the first Star Wars movie that I saw in theaters. Well, actually, I don't know if that's true because I don't know if I saw the Clone Wars movie in theaters or not. I would have been eight years old at the time. Um, so I don't even remember. I don't think I did. But anyway. Oh, my God. I was married then. I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in theaters. I hated it. I thought it was the worst thing I had ever seen. Personally. Yeah. <laughs> but... um, yeah. Well, regardless, Force Awakens was the first Skywalker saga film I ever saw in theaters. And, and that was what re-sparked and reignited my love for Star Wars, which is why the sequels are my favorite. Um, and I, I love the sequels and I'm I'm not afraid to say it. I, that's kind of how I built my following on TikTok was being being a positive voice for the sequels and being that on that uh sequel appreciation side of TikTok. And I just love talking about them and sharing my passion with them i've seen force awakens start to finish probably around 50 times i'm not even kidding it is is by far maybe even more than that probably more than that 
Um, it's by far my favorite Star Wars movie. I think it's so rewatchable. It's got great action, great visuals. The soundtrack by, I think it's in a top three uh, for Star Wars soundtracks with Ray's theme, Kylo's theme, March of the Resistance, Jedi Steps and Finale. It, the music is so good. Um, Dang. Funny. Yeah. You're on funny yourself humor, with that one. I, I think, couldn't contemplate this. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I was talking about that on my live. I, I asked everybody that was in there, like, what's your favorite Star Wars score? And I, I can't pick between three, four, or seven. Those are those are my top three. I I, I can't pick one. Um, but anyway, I love the humor in The Force Awakens. I thought all the jokes were very tastefully done. Just the thumbs up with BB-8, the uh, that's not how the Force works. Just just everything, especially Han Solo. Han Solo you're cold. Yeah, you're cold. <laughs> Listen, listen, Solo. You just call me Solo. Casey, you should know I'm a big deal in the resistance. Here's another thing big deal. Women always find out the truth. I Han Solo was so funny in this movie. And I absolutely, this is by far my favorite Han Solo we've ever seen. He was just, the humor in this movie was so well done. And I love it. Um, and it and it's a fun it's a fun movie from start to finish really it's a fun adventure force awakens it's just such a such a fun movie also i think and we didn't talk about this earlier i think the force awakens being the first star wars movie in 10 years it did such a good job at easing people back into star wars with the old characters they gave us something that we we were familiar with and i think that was the point they wanted to to present something that that still seems like star wars and and continue on on with the the old characters and that similar story structure and i think they did a really good job at, at getting people back into star wars and kind of easing them back and then i think that was the point and then from there they could go and do whatever a lot of people uh, discount how right disney was with their decisions of like okay we need because because uh i mean we we can i've i've already found what george lucas's treatment was and it was going to be like starting with the last jedi which would have been a bad move in my opinion um and i think they did a great job of starting with something to get new fans and old fans back in uh, and the sequel trilogy I think a lot of people don't realize how many new fans joined at that point in time because it was a lot it it's probably more than what was already there, to be quite honest. And then I, I now I see people saying, "Oh, well, John Favreau was able to appease old and new fans." And you're like, "Because the new fans were here already." But yeah, sorry. But yeah, okay, continue. Um, and then um, Star Wars projects. I like to see there's there's three of them that come to mind. The first one and the one I want the most is an animated style, an animated show for the sequel trilogy that that is basically the sequel trilogy Clone Wars, like the Clone Wars for the sequel trilogy. Because in my opinion, the Clone Wars made the prequel trilogy so much more enjoyable. And I don't think as many people would enjoy the prequels uh, if the Clone Wars didn't exist. And and seeing the the characters kind of go, go through these these adventures and and the clone wars you really get to see anakin's fall to the dark side and you see all these little things that kind of have a snowball effect that ultimately push him to become darth vader um and if the sequel trilogy had their clone wars show i think a lot of people would like them more whether that be i i haven't thought about like when it would take place obviously you 
uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi take place right back to back. So you can't really do anything there. And you have a year in between um, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, but then Resistance Reborn book kind of covers that period, uh, which I haven't read yet because I started reading and then it had spoilers for Aftermath. And then I put it down and I haven't touched it since. Um, so I don't, I, since I haven't finished the book, I don't know if there's much you can do with a, with a show in between that time period. Um, or even even not, do it for post Rise of Skywalker. Show Rey training Finn to become a Jedi and, and kind of where they go from there because their story's not over yet. They, they still got more stuff to do. Um, and I would love to see anything like that. I think the sequels need their Clone Wars show um, to become more appreciated. But I guess another thing too is is leading, kind of thinking more about that, what what can the sequels do to, to get more people to appreciate them? If the Mandalorian somehow can able to kind of answer some of the unanswered questions uh, before The Force Awakens, like the rise of the First Order. I mean, we got that one episode in season two with the... Um, I don't know if it was Snoke, but the, it you know, was definitely Snoke. I, I have a, scre- I have a yeah. screenshot yeah. of it. Yeah, okay. it, it was Snoke for sure. Snoke. Playing Snoke's okay. theme. It, it is. If they can build on that story and kind of kind of show the rise of the first order or or, or bridge the transition, but from the OT to the sequels, I think I think that could very well change a lot of people's minds uh, about the sequel trilogy. But here's the thing: they need to do most of all is Disney. Let whatever series it is marinate. Let it marinate because season one of Clone Wars isn't great. It's not. It's not. Everyone, we all love the Clone Wars. Season one, season two. I have two. never seen the Clone Wars. I am so sorry. <laughs> that's, and that's okay. But, but all I I'm saying one. is. Yeah. <laughs> season one and two, I, I I get this comment constantly of like, I just started the Clone Wars and I don't like it. That's me. It gets good. It does I'm get trying. Good. I'm getting through it. <laughs> and then I get that same comment for Rebels. Season one, season, I don't I don't yeah. like it. It it gets it actually it gets great. And then the show Resistance came out. Which is, it's funny to me because of any series, it got great the fastest. Season two was great. It's like surprisingly great to me. I did not like, it took me six or seven episodes to be interested in it at all. I'm the same. I'm the same way. That that first half of season one with the whole racing plot was was kind of a pain to get through. I'm just, uh, I have no idea what's going on. Like, why, yeah, <laughs> why, what, what? But and, but it gets going, and you're like, oh, oh, that's why you set all this up. Oh my god, resistance like, really is isn't as bad as as people make it out to be. Um, and and you know, it is an animated show set within the sequel trilogy, but I still think that they. It's not their Clone Wars. You know, Resistance no. is not on the same level as, as Clone Wars or Rebels. And I, I think I think they, that the sequels need to find their Clone Wars. It's not um, the Clone Wars for a very specific reason. The Force. Mm-hmm. People are into Star Wars because they want to know what the Jedi are doing. What's, what the, what's happening with the Force what, and all this stuff. And uh, again... Resistance got great faster than Rebels did, faster than Clone Wars did. People gave up on it sooner, which is weird. But, like, Clone Wars had a movie 
that I hated and two seasons that weren't great. <laughs> and I love it still. Uh, you know what I mean? But anyways, uh, <laughs> we'll go to, to, to uh, Alex. Uh, if I can add one more oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, had, I had one more. Literally anything with Ben Solo. Um, young Ben Solo, I think would be fantastic to show his training with Luke and, and even, even I'd be fine with the adaptation of the, uh, rise of Kylo Ren comic. Cause that's some good, some good stories in there. I just, I need more Ben Solo in my life and I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't get that. So <laughs> that's just, that's just me. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and then I also, I just checked <laughs> what time it is uh, we're running a little bit long but uh kevin wh- where can we where can we find you yeah so i'm on tiktok at kev20 underscore and i also have my own star wars podcast i do i was talking about that best friend i grew up on star wars with uh me and him have our own star wars um podcast did i say podcast it's a podcast uh it's called live at the cantina you can find us on youtube where we have video podcasts and we're also on spotify and apple podcasts for audio listeners Absolutely. Awesome. Love it. All right. And how about you? Uh, how about you, Alex? Uh, do you want me to just do where you can find me or do my no, real no, no, fast? No, no, no. Okay. Whole thing. So we, we now have all. nine episodes. So how does all of it tie in? Is there um, any projects you want to see? And then okay. where so can we find you? Because you're very delightful. The, the two things I would say like that I, I'm disappointed in like how it all like tied in. Number one is how they left Finn's character. They could have done so much more with Finn's character. I please, why didn't we give him the Stormtrooper Rebellion that was in Trevorrow's script? I will never understand it. Um, and I guess that, I guess there's three because Rose's character getting dropped off also makes absolutely no sense to we me. We got a slug uh, as an <laughs> engineer instead. We have Klaus. We have Klaus. Just literally the worst possible engine. Just leaving slime and stuff. He doesn't even have hands. What do you? The, uh, what the hell? I mean, like this. This should be for a Rise of Skywalker episode, but you also gave me Beaumont Ken and didn't do anything with him. Why did you give me a Sith historian not to use him? But anyway, <laughs> um, I I love Ray Skywalker. I don't have an issue with Ray Palpatine with her being a Palpatine. The problem is it's so in my aesthetic of she was supposed to be the dark one who ends up being light. He was supposed to be the light one who ends up being dark that I hate that it doesn't start from the beginning that, that we <laughs> do not have this like really cool story that could have like led up to it of like your heritage was to be dark. Your heritage was to be light, but you're switched. That is such an interesting dynamic. And I wish I had more of it. And that's why I don't mind Ray Palpatine over Ray Nobody, even though I really love Ray Nobody. But I just want more of that story. So if you could give me more of that, like in a comic book, like in between like The Last Jedi and Tross and her dealing more with the darkness inside of her, I would love that. Um, But definitely going more, I want to see something for closure for the Ben Solo fans because I no seriously, because he's not a force ghost at the end. I'm laughing because your husband says, Alex, I expect you to mention the fate of Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, 
I don't, here's the thing. I do not mind him dying because I think the way he died was so heroic. And like, I'm not going to go too deep into it because obviously that's a Rise of Skywalker uh, podcast moment. But like, I love his sacrifice. However, you don't give him any sort of goodbye. You don't give her any moment to grieve. I need closure. So I would like very much to have some sort of Force Ghost Ray show in situation because they're a dyad. He put his life force into her. I am now assuming he's a part of her, especially because the novelization says I will always be with you. So give me like Ray training the new generation and like force goes Ben helping her from like the beyond or something, or better yet, let's go get him from the world between worlds. Let's go, let's go do this and bring his butt back. Like, I, just give me that. Give me some sort of closure on that. That's his last line is an ouch. Like, or please. is Ben dead? <laughs> I don't know, because if the Metachlorians were split between the two of them, uh, there's a lot. But uh, I also I, I also have to say, you know, uh, my boy Connor says, tell the co-hosts they're amazing and have entertained oh. me. And uh, Brooke says the same. And I agree. This has been amazing. I, I, I love you guys. I know it's the first time I've had all of you on, but I I just, I do. I do. This is awesome. Um, Yeah. Haley, same question. Yeah. um, Oh my gosh. It was, um, what other stories do you want? And yeah, Um, I I want the Kylo Ren comics in like a TV show or something. I just want like more on screen um, than solo. Um, I have like a whole list here. Politics. I want to learn about the politics more. Um, I would love a story on Exegol. Like um, I wrote, um, I want like a kid of an officer who's watching everything happen. And it's kind of like, oh, that's, that's so a lot good. of weapon. Oh, I've never like, thought about I, that. Yeah, I, just, I want more from the unknown regions. Um, really want more Finn and Rey um, training. Like like I said earlier, the, the Lego Star Wars scratched a little bit of an itch, but like I want more. Um, and, and I also wrote down a, a Clone Wars kind of show for for the sequels because the character building they did in that like was awesome. I I'm sorry I'm I'm just typing uh, the I because I oh. I just I need I need the show now. <laughs> it's weird like i i like even itch because i need it so bad like uh, i'm some sort of crack addict that is addicted to something that's never happened i i don't know how to explain it but ah uh, no i i love it so much me okay so I've, I've said the same thing many 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 times but i think it is what we need i need ray setting up her new jedi order but i need it through a lens where she has these old Jedi texts with Luke's notes. And so as she turns through it, she sees that Luke went to this force sensitive group, learned this lesson. And then we watch Luke in his prime, maybe with Laura Santeca, maybe with Ben, maybe whoever, maybe by himself travel to this group, experience this whole thing, learn this lesson that he felt that he needed to to put notes in the side and we watch that and then at and every episode begins and ends with Ray reading this and then this is going to go into her new more more perfect Jedi order. 
That's what I need. More than anything teacher else. failure is. Love that. Yeah, that that'd be that'd be him passing on all of his failures. He tried to get the failure out of the Jedi Order before. This is uh this is double straining, right? This is like refried beans. Like they've been fried once, but we can do more. <laughs> Always use more loot content. Um, real quick, uh Alex and Haley, where can we find you, Alex first? Uh, you can find me on TikTok or Instagram at uh, Rio the Wolf Cosplay. Uh, I mainly do cosplay content from like Marvel and uh, The Witcher and Star Wars, and occasionally I go on a lot of Ray rants. So that's, <laughs> that's what you can find there. Awesome. And I'm Coffee Works on TikTok. Talk about Star Wars and then post whatever I want. Awesome. I love it. This has been awesome. I I know I feel so blessed I get to talk to you guys. It's it's, it's so much yeah. fun for me. I know. Thank you so much for for having having us on here. This was an absolute blast. And I'm right yeah. after I log off here, I am buying the Force Awakens novel and Bloodline. So, um I got got some reading ahead of me. Absolutely. <laughs> Love you guys and may the Force be with you always. Also with you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>